Wrestling Geeks Alliance. This is Dane Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. For new listeners, a weekly show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over shows. Uh, Right at the start of the top, uh, before I introduce Chris, I just want to say that we're going to be trying to format some stuff differently Uh, going forward. We're going to try to do a bit more shorter of shows. Uh, basically get to the the meat of the subject, if you will. Um, both me and Chris, we're, we're still going to obviously talk about pay-per-views. We might try to apply separate pay-per-view, shorter episodes by themselves. But, um, you know, big news items and definitely talk about the AEW shows and SmackDown since that seems to be the ones that are the most popular and also the ones that we like the most. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't talk about stuff that happens on New Japan, on Monday Night Raw, NXT, but those can be probably condensed to a news item itself because they seem to have less uh, traction for the overall show. But um, just want to say I, th- I appreciate all of our listeners and all of our new listeners. You are in for kind of like a dawning of a new era, I would say, uh, for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. But um, for our you know, longstanding listeners, do me a favor. If you like our show, try to tell one friend about it, and let's let's uh let's let's get the uh the, the community bigger so we can all talk about wrestling and have a great time. So, like I said, if you like it, you know someone that likes wrestling. This week, just tell them about it. Just you know, throw it out there. Be our televangelist, if you will. Actually, don't be that. But either way, I am of course with my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing on this lovely Saturday in which we record? I am doing wonderful, man. As uh, anyone from Atlanta knows, the Braves won a World Series, so it's been kind of party week all week for me. And uh, yeah, man, a bunch of wrestling in between, and excited to talk about it with you here on the show. Nice, good, good. You know, we're we're acting all giddy, but the first subject that we got to talk about is not the... uh, (laughs) Not the greatest one at all. Hey, Chris. So I don't know if you've heard this story before. Uh, quarterly, uh, you know, financial stuff. I forgot what the real term is for it. Uh, comes up with the WWE and uh, a bunch of people get cut and let go. Some that are in which the beginning of new pushes and new directions with their character. And uh, we get to talk about it again. Isn't that isn't that awesome? It's so much fun, man. I love talking about WWE's EBITDA for their quarterly <laughs> numbers. Boy. You know, it's 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 uh it's nice that when you do your earnings call uh, over your corporation, you decide, okay, hey John Laurinaitis, uh, call up a bunch of people and fire them that we don't find suitable or we can know makes too much money that we can kind of get rid of and don't really have a reason to have. Uh, but also becomes, I think, Chris, you'll agree with this, a launching point to seeing 
certain other organizations, whether it be AEW or New Japan, or like we talked about with Ring of Honor, this is being very different, obviously, because WWE's, I think they're up to 75 since April. <laughs> uh, just wrestlers, by the way. Um, you know, this is becoming a new thing, but you are just giving great talent, especially the ones that got cut in this last group, to the competition. And I'm sure New Japan, I'm sure AEW for a couple of them, uh, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure certain ones are going to just scoop them up and make them the superstars that Triple H saw in them that for some reason Vince, Bruce Pritchard, and all the wonderful people over there at WWE Titan Towers did not. Yeah, it's crazy the sheer amount of talent that one WWE hoarded and two WWE released in the past year. It's it's just an absurd amount of people. And and some of the superstars that we're gonna be talking about, for instance, B Fab just re-signed the contract the week before she got released. <laughs> so some of it some of it is just very odd, and it just points to are they trying to get those numbers up for stockholders? Are they trying to sell the company as we've talked about in the past or like kind of just a conspiracy theory? Are they trying to oversaturate AEW by having them sign a bunch of talent and not have them be able to do anything with it? Um, it's weird. It's just a weird... I, we've had releases in WWE in the past and we've talked about this for years and years on the show but I don't know that we've ever had this many in a year. Yeah, I, I mean, we thought it was bad the April during COVID, you know, and they got a lot of flack for this, rightfully so, because uh, they released all those people. But, and that's because all the other companies, some of which weren't running shows like Ring of Honor, they kept their talent and no one else in any other company fired them. But you can still say, even though they made so much money with Saudi Arabia and whatnot, that it was during the pandemic and you got to cut ties a little bit. This, since April, has been absolutely ridiculous. And the people that they decide to cut, well, we'll, we'll just get into it, Chris. I'm going to say the overhaul of everyone. Then we'll go in specifics about certain ones that really shine higher i would say than others not shine higher just stand out more and then we'll go over the where should they go should they go to AEW concept because i definitely have a statement to make on that uh you know we've said this before not everyone can go to AEW, and they are gobbling up talent you know they even have tony niece that has been in the audience for the last three episodes or whatever the fuck Obviously, he's there for a reason. They scoop up Bobby Fish. And I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm just saying oversaturation is something to worry about. Unless you're going to, like, I don't know, uh, maybe do another YouTube show. Um, you only have so much room on Dynamite and Rampage. So unless you're expanding to another show, maybe on the weekend, um, yeah, they only have and less pay-per-views as well. So, yeah, there's there's definitely that. But um, let's go over this list, Chris. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's go, man. Sounds exciting. All right, all right. So if I can find the fucking article that I had for this. Uh, oh, 
Okay, well, okay, yeah, all right, right here. It's very professional. Um, <laughs> so reported, basically, Sean Ross Sapp was the one who first said that Fightful, on Fightful, that there's going to be some cuts coming. And that was kind of backed up by Brian Alvarez, and he was one of the first people to report specifically everyone that was let go because there was like a little bit of information here, a little bit of information there. When we were talking about it, Chris, it seemed like you idiots, like you just gave so many great female, you know, a couple great female performers and wrestlers over the competition, like you were thinking. And then they added to uh, become 18. But the 18 people, Frankie Monet, who specifically went on to Twitter afterwards and clarify that she is Taya Valkyrie, Ember Moon, Jesse Kamea, uh, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, uh, Oni Lorkin, Trey Baxter, Zeta Ramira, uh, Scarlett Bardot, B-Fab, Graham Mentalik. I love Graham Mentalik. He asked to be let go two months ago. You guys kept him on and you just fucking fired him. Great stuff. Lindsay Dorado. You're going to get fired when I say you're fired. Karrion Cross, Big one. Harry Smith, who never even made it on television, just got signed back. Nia Jax, which we'll definitely talk about. Eva Marie, Keith Lee, his wife Mia Yim, all out due to budget cuts, Chris. They got, you know, good luck on your future endeavors. <laughs> they really did get the good luck on future endeavors. Some of these people had itineraries for this month before getting released, like actual show dates and shit. I think Naya was one of them. Um, so Dave Meltzer, I don't know if you got a chance to read this, but he said some of the talent released was due to them refusing to get vaccinated and not being big enough stars to get away with that. While the number going around is five of the 18 released were not vaccinated, one talent in the company said it was a larger number than that. On the main roster, talent can't tour foreign countries without being vaccinated. However, talent that may have been cut due to not being vaccinated were told they were let go to budgetary cuts. And that's what Meltzer reported. So take that for what it is. But it doesn't seem far-fetched. If you follow any other kind of sports, there are still holdouts for vaccinations. And if you're a touring company like WWE and you want to do overseas shows it would make sense of maybe that's a reason why some of these people got let go, but some of these names are huge and they put a lot of time and effort into like a Karrion Cross or a Keith Lee, who as far as I know is the only person to hold both titles in NXT at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which they combined and then just completely forgot about that after he went to the main roster, which they well did Dick all with, but, uh, and there's some big names on here. Like you said, Ty Valkyrie, uh, I'm kind of happy for her, <laughs> honestly. I feel I think that she was a great character on NXT. They didn't do enough with her. I'm hoping that John Morrison gets pissed off and leaves as well. And it it just kind of begs the question. We talked about this when they signed with WWE, and they kind of signed like staggered, but they were doing stuff with B being the elite even before they signed with WWE. It was kind of we got kind of blindsided by that one because you know John Morrison seemed like a shoe in for AEW. Yeah, that's crazy. And John Morrison, I mean, I hate to think like this, but there are certain people that I definitely think of while these, you know, more are coming, more are coming. I'm wondering if they, you know, if they got John Morrison or if they got Chad Gable or Ricochet, uh, Cedric Alexander, Ali, 
you know, I hate to be like that, but or even Samoa Joe again. God, that would have been fucking ridiculous. I hate to think like that, but, you know, I just feel like anyone, if you are not Roman Reigns, you, this could happen to you, basically. And you just got to wait for a quarterly fucking conference over earnings for that, for you to be on a chopping block. If you are someone that's getting paid a decent amount, and they can't fulfill it with the amount that, even if it's their fault for not utilizing you, um, they can't justify, I guess, uh, keeping you on. Or if you are talents that, you know, you're smaller, you don't have that big of a name, so might as well cut off some of the smaller amounts even. I mean, that's how ruthless this is being. And I understand this might be for an overall sale, I just wonder, the person I feel bad for the most, Chris, is Triple H. Because he's at home right now, still recovering, obviously. He hasn't been involved with the company over his, I mean, they want to call it whatever the fuck they're going to call it, but heart attack. And watching what has happened to NXT, watching now Keith Lee and Karrion Cross, someone that he saw a huge upside in, uh, or an Ember Moon, who he got to come back to NXT because he knew that they were wasting her. Um, this shit's got to cut deep. And I understand that Stephanie's married to him and, you know, Vince is the grandfather of his children. They've always got along. But this type of stuff really has got to kind of eat away at Hunter, I would say. Uh, you would have to think so. And when you start talking about heart-related problems, like stress is a big proponent of that, right? Could you imagine being Triple H right now? Uh, let's say the past two years and what Vince has done to that roster and the people he's pulled off of it, uh, whether it's Keith Lee or Samoa Joe and then back to Samoa Joe and um, God, I mean, Shayna Baszler getting pulled up and not doing anything with her, like just name after name, they pull up, they don't do anything with them. And then now they're sending like writers to rewrite NXT They're rebranding it. They want it to be more like OVW where it's all young people. And some of the names on this list are over the age of 30 and have yep. had past injuries. Like Ember Moon is a great female performer, but she's 33 and has she tore her ACL. Um, and, and you got to think that plays into it because Vince's idea of what NXT should be. And if they think that Ember Moon is just an NXT star, well, I'm one, they're stupid, but uh, <laughs> I could I could see that mindset. I mean, if that's it, it does seem like they are leaning heavy into that, um, which could be good or bad. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Braun Breaker's been great, but then you see names like Bfab on here, <laughs> like I like I said, who just signed, <laughs> who's getting released, right? So, I have no idea, man. This company is schizophrenic in in a way that's baffling. And if you're Fox or USA. And let's say Keith Lee goes to your competition, AEW, and becomes a huge star. How does that not piss you off as a network? I don't know. And that is a very, oh man, it just, it's, this is all fucking just so tone deaf. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if you're I'm, a network, you got to be pissed, especially Fox. I mean, there's some big names on here. I mean, it, even if Carrying Cross goes back to Impact, that's still one more star that Impact has, right? Or like, you know, and like he's I been said, elevated. 
yeah, he's been on your product. He held your title, and now you're gonna put. He's gonna get wherever he goes. He's gonna be put back with Scarlett Pedro, I would think. Once they're both out of their non competes, or I, I, do they even have non competes? Yeah, unfortunately, they still have non competes. All the NXT style performers. So Scarlett can do stuff in a month because uh, she's still considered, I guess, part of the NXT roster since she never made her. Uh, but she was even talking about, you know, immediately after this, Ty Valkyrie's like. Whatever, 30 fucking days, I'm back, Ty, or Ty Valkyrie, you know, fuck Frankie Monet. And Scarlett's saying that she wants to do a, for GCW, a uh, Braun Panties hardcore match. But then you have, obviously, in all seriousness, you have people like Keith Lee, Karrion Cross, uh, Mia Yim. They got to wait 90 days, so... It's very unfortunate for Mia Yim, who was kind of just there for a cup of coffee with that weird taking over raw whatever the hell that with j bar and j brown <laughs> those cats wasn't is that wasn't that why they brought her up was just to do that uh, mia yim can go somewhere and be a superstar i think that she's got a good look and she's pretty good in the ring uh it's just crazy the list here i mean some of these people like eva marie re-signing her they signed her to an actual like main event contract and uh, that did not work out. The fans were not behind that. That release kind of makes sense, you know, because no one ever got behind it. But some of these other names, it's like the fans have been chanting for Scarlett and Karrion Cross to be back together. And I think if you would have put them back together and not dressed him like a was a humongous from Mad Max, <laughs> he would have had a shot on the main roster. Uh, it's, it's just it's such it's such a weird thing. And uh, I think we're going to get into this when we start talking about where people can go, but uh, that goes into my conspiracy theory. <laughs> Is Vince just oversaturating the market with all the talent he held <laughs> to try to turn fans against AEW? Like, oh, you didn't sign this guy <laughs> kind of thing? Because, I mean, hell, dude, AEW can't sign everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But let's uh, let's let's break down the list first of like the the bigger people that stand out. And if you have someone different, obviously – uh, mention it, but yeah, Frankie Monet, aka and really her name, a Christian name, Ty Valkyrie, uh, wife of John Morrison. Uh, why this is someone I don't understand, Chris, that wasn't just put on the main roster. Uh, if you wanted to do Miz and Morrison, that could have actually exploded earlier if Miz had to take time off to do whatever I think he's doing his reality TV show, and that's why, but they could have actually had an ending where. You had the two couples uh, in the ring against each other, and definitely at least Maurice and Taya kind of going back and forth that way. She's definitely someone you didn't have to put her, I don't think, uh, through NXT in the first place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even I think that she's she's good in the ring. I don't necessarily know that she needed to be a manager, but that storyline me and you have talked about in the past. Um, everyone wants to see Maurice and Miz again. That'd be fun. Uh, that tag team aspect, maybe I don't want to say intergender tag match, but you get what I'm saying. WWE's version of that uh, could have been a lot of fun. And I'm actually surprised they didn't leverage that more because you know John Morrison and Miz are friends. I felt like they would have utilized that in his reality show to some extent. Uh, She's going to go somewhere and be a superstar. And uh, the real question here, did her dog also get released or does Vince have the dog under contract? 
The dog's mine. Is the ghost of Big Boss Man going to chop him up and feed oh him to Hall Snow? Oh my god. You went there. Holy shit. <laughs> Do you want a little pepper on your steak? <laughs> oh god, that was terrible. Yep. Yeah. No, and, and I guess Ember Moon, we kind of talked about her, about her a little bit. Super talented. Has issues, I think, more so with character development, more mic-related stuff. I think that's always been her crutch, but she's incredible in the ring. And, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this. This has got to piss off Booker T a little bit because they have strung her along and done jack shit with her since she was champion in NXT. And this is her, his star pupil, basically. Yeah, she did get injured. She did have that issue. Uh, and it was a, I think it was one of those stupid situations where she was just a fucked up random bullshit while she was running for the, uh, the 24 seven championship, which fucking, I'm not going to even go there, but Ember's so damn talented, man. And I really find her kind of like a, in a lot of ways, like a Ruby, uh, riot Ruby Soho where people look up to her within the industry, even if she doesn't know that she's definitely going to find that out. Uh, you know, it just sucks that her career has been this way, that way. At least she's accomplished everything that she could accomplish in NXT, past tag team champions, and also obviously the 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 women's world champion. But uh, yeah, that's another one that was a head scratcher. And it's so weird because they, I thought when they were when she was talking about retiring, because that was something we talked about was that a, I guess a year ago, before she came back to NXT on the motorcycle and stuff, she had, then came back from her injury. She had said that she was thinking about retiring in general, and I thought they were building that into a storyline more so than she was actually ready to retire. And then she came back to NXT and like they gave her a little bit of a push at the beginning and then just killed it off. And I don't ever remember them giving her any kind of mic time. So I don't I don't know if Ember Moon's good on the mic or not. I mean, she's been good in interviews I've seen whether it's like talking smack or whatever the hell other shows they've had that she's been on. But I mean, if you don't give anyone, if you don't give the person a chance to like get over the persona, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know. That is almost like a Ruby riot thing where if she, she goes somewhere else. She could be a huge star. Who knows? I mean, WWE's idea of Ember moon is like, she's good in the ring and she wears contacts. (laughs) And she does a flip stunner off the top ropes. But yeah, it does. If you're Booker T, you have to be a little bit pissed at this point because, I mean, I would say that she's definitely one of his best students. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I want to talk about a couple more people, two of the mean couples. Uh, But before that, like I said, just kind of short, I mean, Grandma Talik kind of has been on this high regard when it comes to Lucha Libre-based wrestlers. You know, uh, Kalisto, Bandito, a lot of people talk very highly of this guy. Uh, Ray Phoenix, he was huge in AAA. This reminds me kind of, Chris, of a uh, of a Mystico, you know, the first Sin Cara situation. Of a huge name, people are like, he's doing stuff that we've never seen people do in the ring, and then spends a chunk of his career wasted away in the fucking Lucha party with Lindsay Dorado and Kalisto. Um, and, you know, you have Daniel Bryan that wants to have a match with him, at, you know, calls him out specifically, and asked for his release a couple of months ago, 
is not granted it just so he can be fired at the next quarterly, you know, earn, earnings uh, phone call. Yeah, it's so random. I mean, does that come down to a non-compete if they if they grant you your release? How does that play out? Is that really? Uh... I think you can go anywhere. Unless I don't know, I actually have no idea if there's a non-compete with uh, being granted a release. Yeah, because I guess if someone asked to go and you let them out of their contract, then the non-compete would be null and void. Versus, I don't know that all of that stuff is just so wild. Uh, but yeah, that's if you're gonna fire the guy anyways, you gotta let him go. Like you said, you gotta let him go a while back. And Lince uh, uh, Dorado, man, he's a great wrestler. I'm excited yep. to see him perform in other places. Yeah, they're definitely going to both make Mexico very happy because of how incredible they are with Lucha Libre. Um, and then there is all Harry Smith real quick, man, because I feel bad. Like, he's been prompted to be returning for a while. I feel like this was WWE just like, we're going to – we're going to give him the British Bulldog gimmick and let him run with it. And maybe they were like, well, we haven't really put him on TV. And it's been a long time since his dad's been on television as a British Bulldog. Fuck it. Never mind. But the stuff he was doing on MLW, his technical work, his wrestling skills in general, and his mic stuff, if he doesn't go back to MLW and, and, and help them out, uh, he could do really well in a lot of places. I mean, he's one of the last guys trained in the dungeon. Uh, specifically by his uncle Brett. Uh, he's got the whole stampede background, and he looks just like his fucking dad. So I would think that he's going to shoot back to New Japan, would be my guess, because he was... I know he wrestled there in, like, mid-2000s at one point in time. Well, if we get a crossover where him and... um. And uh, Murderhawk could be re- reunited for a match. Maybe ju- I'm not saying him go to AEW, but they like to do that crossover stuff with New Japan. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'd but be yeah, awesome. His, his, last, his last two homes have been New Japan and MLW, basically. And I know, like, right before he signed to WWE, he was in All Japan, but didn't really do much, if I remember right. Like, he kind of had, like, a brief stint after MLW. Um, well, and that's funny because specifically, I, I think it's MLW just, um, they're going to be specifically doing stuff with all Japan. So a lot of the wrestlers are going to come through there. So maybe there is that crossover appeal for that. Yeah. I think that's a great place for him. I also could, I mean, he just seems like a perfect fit for NWA, but (laughs) maybe that's just the fanboy in me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I don't know. It's going to be uh, quite strange. Here's the one that's quite strange. Another person that's been involved, her lineage at least has been involved with wrestling like Harry. But unlike Harry, we've definitely had a lot of criticism, but it still comes uh, to a big surprise. Nia Jax. And she said something about this on Twitter uh, recently of, you know, she's been having mental uh, health issues. She took some time off from that. They asked her to come back. Uh, she wanted still some more time that she was told that she'd be given, uh, you know, just being on the road nonstop for a while. And basically a couple weeks later, she's called and, uh, let go. And I understand, you know, someone that 
like myself that's dealt with uh, manic issues due to bipolar in the past, I definitely understand the whole mental health concept. And I'm not saying that she should be granted time off after working for a long period of time, especially to go go get help, go go get your 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 brain in order. None of that. I I think that that's messed up. But let's <laughs> let's call a spade a spade. I don't want to see Nia show up in in AEW. She I understand she has name value, uh, but she was pulled up way too quickly and basically to me has been the female equivalent to the Ultimate Warrior except for she might have hurt more people and she wasn't that big of a draw. And I hate to be just frank about it, but, you know, for all the stuff I feel bad with Naya, I've also seen her. We haven't seen Kari Sane back wrestling since that injury. I don't know if we will. And she has either almost ended careers, including Charlotte's the first time, uh, and also hurt people, Bailey, uh, Becky, Many people included. She is reckless. She's got an attitude issue uh, from stuff that we've heard about her in the back. And um, I'm surprised they went ahead and did this, you know, since she's a part of the NLOI family. But this one I'm not really as uh, as saddened for, I got to admit. Yeah, I guess I should start by saying that uh, if she's going through mental health issues, I hope that you know, she gets the help she needs and, and can get over that roadblock. Um, maybe roadblock is not the best way to put it, but I'm not, I'm not good with words, Dane. Um, I'm on the same level as you because, I mean, they pretty much cost her Carrie Zane. Like, she's hurt so many people. Like, Carrie specifically didn't want to re-sign after, I don't know, getting two concussions. And we haven't and seen thrown her. into steel stairs as hard as someone could. And I mean, as far as we know, she may have ended her career because we haven't seen her wrestle since she left WWE. At least not on a full time basis that I'm aware of. Um, nope. So she's dangerous in the ring. Like you said, she's kind of has a bad attitude and uh, she does have ties with the rock. But hey, if rock ain't showing up at WrestleMania, Vince don't have to give a shit. At this point. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Out, out of the people that got released, that was one of the the least offensive <laughs> names on that list to me. Just because, like, her, she's had five years to get this together, Dane. You know, all all she has to do is go in and be a hoss and be safe and and like not kill people. It's been five years. You either if you if she hasn't gotten it by now, she's never going to get it. So I I I don't see her working anywheres but like indie scenes and let's also be honest the fact that she was pulled up as quick as she was and people like Sami Zayn, kevin owens samoa joe charlotte flair uh who also has a lineage in wrestling even though we have to pretend her, her dad doesn't exist anymore i guess um finn balor all of them had to go through a good while in NXT while Nia gets called up immediately. It just says something. It does say something, but she also had kind of a look that was opposite of the rest of that women's division. So I get why they would do that, but she definitely wasn't ready. And and like I said, it's been five years. I think the experiment's over, right? But she came up like 2016 was the first time we saw Nia Jax. Yep. So I, the experiment has failed. <laughs> It's over. And like I said, if 
if you can't have a good match with Charlotte Flair, I don't, or, or Becky or, or Carrie Zane, I don't know that there's a lot of female wrestlers that really would want to work with you. So that limits her options uh, as far as places that she's going to work in the future outside of like indies. Like I said, she could be like a one pop for like an indie show or something, but I don't know that any of these companies would be clamoring to hire Diajax. And like I said, I wish her the best on her mental health. And uh, it's, it's not just bash Naya to bash Naya. Um, I do know that Alvarez came out and said that like her time off was already factored into her itinerary for the rest of the year that she had already received. Uh, so take that for what it is. Not my report. If you, if you don't like that, you yell at Brian Alvarez. Yelling at Brian Alvarez. He doesn't give a shit. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go over the two couples, man. And these are the ones I think are just absolutely head scratching. Uh, first killer cross. I'll call him by his, his Christian name and Scarlett Bardot. Great presentation NXT, you know, build up so well. Entrance is amazing. You know, Scarlett's even singing on the track uh, as they come out and then lip syncing it for a performance on the way in, you know, the fallen and, and what is it? Fallen prey. Uh, the, the whole entire thing with him coming out with this, uh, you know, clock, TikTok, everything was great, man. And then they bring him up. They don't do anything with Scarlett. She is just off television. No reason is really given. Who knows? Maybe some of those uh, conspiracies or, 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 you know, said reports could have something to do with it. I have no idea. She's absolutely beautiful. She's a great performer. There's a multitude of things that she can do. And she's a decent wrestler in the ring, too. Um, Karrion Cross is, you know, he might not be the most finessed professional wrestler when it comes to the ins and outs, but he gets it. He's a powerhouse. You know, I kind of always kind of compared him because of his crazy eyes to psycho Sid in a lot of ways. And then he makes his way up beaten in his first match. Uh, entrance is completely different and he's got a fucking like Halloween spirit, fucking gladiator outfit. Scott's still off television, loses <laughs> to Jeff Hardy, goes through, Feuds that don't matter. Gets a bunch of wins back underneath his belt. Never changed with the gladiator elf. You made a guy who has crazy eyes and mask him on his fucking entrance. And then is let the fuck go. What <laughs> the... What in the flying... How the hell did... You have, you have someone that's kind of like a Perry Saturn meets Psycho Sid type of concept. And you fucked that up. How? <laughs> you- I have no idea... And he had a great valet that happens to be his fucking wife who's gorgeous and actually good on the mic and really hasn't displayed that aspect of her at all. Do you think this is just Vince being pissy because his idea didn't work? Because you have to think, like, he split those two up. He called Scarlett to main event uh, and took her off NXT, split them up, right? Then he pulls Carrie into the main roster. That shit flopped. Do you think this was just a spite fire because it didn't work? Could be, man. But if you just kept it the way it was, it might have worked. <laughs> yes, we, this is this is during a time period where Vince obviously was in control of NXT, and we pretty much thought that he was never watching any of it. Do you think that, that Vince even saw what Triple H built beforehand? 
I mean, no. I mean, he. it's been long sta- uh, said that Vince doesn't like managers, and this is kind of proof of that, right? <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely insane to me that they had this thing. It, look, if the man is having a title match and they're chanting to get his manager back together with him, maybe the fans are right on that one, you know, and, and maybe that plays into why he got fired, unfortunately, which Vince is kind of spiteful like that. Sometimes we've seen, we've seen weirder stuff in, in WWE. I mean, look at Daniel Bryan's run. They did everything they possibly could to bury him and the fans rallied against it. And that's how Daniel Bryan became WWE Daniel Bryan. It works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. And on NXT, I mean, to some extent, like Scarlett Boudreaux is kind of like a Daniel Bryan where people are like, no, put them back together. And they hated when they split them apart. And uh, wherever they go, I'm assuming they're going to end up back together. Uh, and that's great. I think it works better for his character. There's more there when she is a part of that entire gimmick. And uh, he's he's decent in the ring, man. I think, like I said, my guess would for him would be impact again. It's going to be interesting. He's definitely got a lot of charisma. He's got that intensity that's very hard to match with certain wrestlers. You know, I'm not saying he's on the same level at all, but I'm just saying when it comes to that intensity, certain wrestlers are able to make it very believable to the people, whether it be, like I said, a Sid Vicious or a Macho Man Randy Savage or even a Piper that's something that not re- some wrestlers can't pull that off. That even if the in ring work isn't as crisp or whatever, could be the problem that you might have with a killer cross. His intensity makes it so fucking real that a, Eddie Kingston's a good example of that. That when he's fighting, you kind of just you're like, okay, it's not pretty because he's actually in a fucking fight, and he's throwing around people like you know all Japan style and shit. So. I think Karrion and Scarlett are going to do really well somewhere else and uh, just really tone deaf. And uh, my last two, Chris, the most tone deaf. Anything else about Killer Cross before we move on? No, just agreeing with you. I think his expressions are great when he's in the ring and he plays that character to a T. Uh, I, I think Scarlett being there obviously helps it, but I, I have a feeling that we're going to see that real soon. I thought Scarlett, man, I got to be honest with you. I thought Vince was going to see Scarlett and only see a star in her. <laughs> That's what I was worried of. Like that was going to be his next Sable project or some shit. And she's far more a better, I would say, athlete and entering wrestler from what I saw from her in Impact. But, you know, I this whole thing's fucking crazy to me. Should we talk about the Bearcat? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, me and you both were worried about that when she randomly got called up because we thought she was going to SmackDown and then she just ended up doing main event shows uh, just yep. randomly. So he, I, I kind of was on the same page as you as like maybe he sees more in Scarlet than Karrion Cross, But then they put the fucking belt on Karrion Cross and threw her on main event. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's talk about the Bearcat. Well, also, I just remembered something. It was something that you showed me and I got to just fucking say so scarlet was saying like i said beforehand she would love to do a hardcore brawn panties match with someone and um whatchamacallit uh, jordan grace was one of the first people to respond to it 
a lot of back and forth Jordan and, uh, you know, tag GCW. So might, might be happening. But we had this motherfucking, this lovely male white knight that's such a great ally to women, just letting them know that, you know, with the women's evolution revolution that we should not be going back to the, the dark ages of women's wrestling. And to me, I have to say, shut the fuck up and go take a bath or something, man. Calm the fuck down. Light some candles. Chill the fuck out. If these women wrestlers want to do that because they want to be sexy and they want to have fucking fun, fuck off if you have a problem with it. They can still go and put on a great match afterwards. It's a normal standard wrestling match. But just shut the fuck up. It's kind of like I had a problem with the uh, people like like um, Tony D'Angelo is making fun of Italians. Twitter, fuck off. <laughs> In a world where Sopranos is more popular than it's ever been. You know, it's, it's, it's like you forget about me because of that fucking Jersey Shore show. HMO, you're covered. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking, it's baffling. I'm sorry. That's my fault, listeners out there. It's stuck in my crawl, this guy's comment, and now it's stuck in Dane's crawl as well. It's, uh, man, I, just out of, she could have just been fucking joking. That's the other thing. <laughs> it was just a, a Twitter comment. He, and, and then he brought up, like, we need to get away from 2001 Divas era. I was like, did you fucking watch wrestling in two? That was not the Divas era. He sounds, he sounds so damn young in his fucking shit. It's not only that. And it's, it's, it sucks and it's terrible, some of the shit that those women wrestlers had to do. Some of them, like Kitty, that's all they wanted to fucking do. Or the cat or whatever the hell we're supposed to call her. But you also have some of the best female wrestlers during that time period that pulled through that and are basically the backbone that a lot of people fucking forget a part of that era whether it be a Trish Strass and Lita that always are remembered, but also your Ivories and your Molly Hollies and, and everyone else reaching up to TNA's explosion with Gail Kim um, and, 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 and Kong and whatnot. I just, it wasn't all just that. It, when, you, when you denounce that whole entire era, you're, you're also taking all the women wrestlers or China who was fighting dudes. You're fucking throwing them under the bus too. Talk about what you know what you're talking about, little fucking kid. Yeah, and, and like I said, it could have just been a fucking joke. <laughs> like, well, these are the same not. people. These are the same people that attacked Chelsea Green for saying that for her saying that she wanted to be in Playboy and wanted an OnlyFans account. It's like, it's... or 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 tagging Matt Cardona and and like trying to tell on her and her being like, who the fuck do you think took the pictures of me in that bikini? Yeah, I mean, Matt Cardona probably wants an OnlyFans account, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would go to – never mind. I would not do that. But. Uh, it's just it's, – it's, people take things way too literal. <laughs> like, she could have just been making a fucking joke is all I'm saying. <laughs> Let's see how it plays but out. <laughs> what I'm saying is even if she's not making a joke, who gives a shit? Like, Look – if she's open and wants to do that, it's not it's not the same thing. It's, the comparison is not Vince is like you're you have to do this. It's very different, you know. Like if if you want to kind of have that kind of match, it's just like when people have these ultra violent matches that we hate with light tubes and shit. Like if you want to do that, okay, you know, <laughs> as long as no one's forcing you to do it. I think that's my thing with it. I mean, if like she wants to have a broad paintings match with Jordan Grace. Uh, go for it. <laughs> Hardcore. There's, there's, there's different aspects in this. So there's going to be like 
blood and shit and tables. Look, and, and, and you pointed I out like, to... like Kitty and shit, for instance, those were like not really bra and panty. I mean, that wasn't an actual wrestling match. If they go out and they do a good bra and panties, like 20 minute match, that could be awesome because no one's done it. Like, what if they went out and had a banger? It was a bra and panties match, right? And they just had a really good fucking match. But at the end, someone had to lose their clothes. Does anyone exactly. care at that point? <laughs> no. And like I said, and these women have Instagram accounts and they, they definitely like their bodies. And if that's the case, fuck off if you're trying to basically appease the same concept in a weird, different way. Especially if you're a dude. Just shut up. But uh, I didn't mean to go on a tangent about that. We completely support you, Scarlet, on whatever the fuck you do, and I can't wait to see you blossom somewhere else after you have that match with Jordan Grace, if you do have that match. Uh, last people that I definitely want to talk about, another couple, Keith Lee, <laughs> the Bearcat, and Mia Yim. So what kept Keith out is he had a really bad episode with COVID, and it got very, very bad, and Mia Yim was there basically the whole entire time, you know, trying to get him back into good health and he got over that hump and he came back and they decided to go heal. We talked very much about this bear cat concept being similar to the silverback concept. If you will, with Mark Henry, just make him a mean heel, even though everyone loves him, and it worked for Mark. So I was willing to give this a chance. And before we even get a chance to build, he's gone. And Mia Yim, who was is a fucking incredible in-ring wrestler, Jade back in TNA, just awesome, you know, uh, gets let go after she was in fucking Retribution, and uh, that's about it. I mean, uh, dude, this is fucking crazy. Great female wrestler. You know how big I've been on, on, on Keith Lee throughout his independent work, and when he, him and Jeff Cobb were having bangers and fucking you know, high school gyms and shit. I just, this is fucking, this is ridiculous. So when Keith Lee shows back up to PWG, is the entire, like, state of California going to set on fire? <laughs> Giant earthquake, I would assume. <laughs> it's crazy because Vince was a Keith Lee guy. He said he fucking loved the guy. That's why he got called up. And then, obviously, the COVID bout, you can't do anything about that. That just sucks. That's just where we're at right now. And maybe that plays into kind of, I want to know what five wrestlers that Meltzer was talking about and, and see if maybe that plays into it. Because it seemed like they had plans for Keith Lee. Not that I necessarily agreed with whatever plans they were going to have with him, but it did seem like they were trying to book him as a heel or a big type heel. Um, God, they didn't do that guy any fucking favors when he got to the main roster, though. <laughs> Jesus. Mia Yim is in the same boat. Like, you shouldn't be cutting women's talent when you're, to me, you have, like, four actual people that people, like, or four actual female wrestlers that people want to see wrestle each week right now on the main roster. We talked about this. There's the There's just a lack of what I would consider top talent chasing those titles. So like taking someone out, like be a Yim who I think could be beneficial is, is crazy, but Hey, what do I know? Vince owns a, uh, is, well, 
He's a billionaire, right? Or used to be. I don't know if he's still after XFL. Yeah. Um, and now here's the question. Where do they go? I'm just going to state, I made this list the other night for my buddy when we were talking back and forth about it. With everything going on, who we know is, is coming up on their contracts, who we know just got cut, unfortunately, from WWE. And we can go on some of the other people, obviously, as well. And also, what happened with Ring of Honor. I am judging this by the concept of we need a couple more big names to really get the marquee level, I would say. Uh, whether they could be a big name for the championship. Uh, you know, even though <laughs> the, the boss, Tony Khan, says that the TNT title, TBS title, are not supposed to be mid-card, but that's basically starts for that. And if you got to push certain people that really, honestly, you know, should not be on your main product uh, as much, you know, maybe pu- push them on YouTube if you want to do that, maybe expand, like I said, to a Sunday show. But there's only a couple people, honestly, in actuality, I could see getting grabbed. And it's two sets he definitely has been criticized, and I think that he's trying to get back on it. And with a lot of uh, the bigger names, I would say, for me, people of color, um, he has a good chance of grabbing some big names when it comes to both of them. Uh, and also, his women's division, which has gotten better, but obviously could use a couple more experienced wrestlers. And when I say experience, I'm not trying to call out someone like, uh, you know, a, a Big Swole or, or a... Uh, Whoever, you know, someone that's been on the map less, they need to be working with, you know, you have a couple great female wrestlers in that company that can put on matches and bangers. Then you have some ones that could use some work. And if you had a Mia Yim, for instance, or an Ember Moon, they could really, just like Ruby Soho is, take up that whole entire women's division in general. Uh, Not so much you know, worried about the titles, but yeah, also be in those title pictures. So with that said, Chris, I told him that basically, and I was kind of going in order, Jay Lethal, because he's a star, Jonathan Gresham, if he doesn't go to Japan, is also another star, could be in the mid titles, putting on great matches. Chelsea Green, Session Motha, the women uh, in, in Ring of Honor, we kind of came up with that. Bandito, I think if you want another great Lucha Libre wrestler, the Ring of Honor champion, the PWG champion, uh, he's he's on a next level. Dan Housen for the comedic value, I would definitely grab Bray Wyatt. I wouldn't worry about Braun Strowman. Sorry, guys. But um, uh, Killer Cross, he's Puerto Rican. He's also another person that, that definitely could bring some value. Scarlett Bardot, Ty Valkyrie, Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Ember Moon. And then Kevin Owens. That's it. Maybe Kyle O'Reilly if you want to use him in the aspect of trying to get, you know, a force behind Adam Cole once he goes against the elite. But other than that, all these guys are going to do well. You do have your rushes, your Dragon Lee, the Briscoes, EC3, Juice Robinson, who is going to be off both Impact and New Japan soon. Uh, Johnny Gargano, who I think is staying with NXT. Sami Zayn's a possibility, but I don't know what the fuck Sami Zayn's doing. What I'm trying to say is there are some big names on these lists. And we kind of talked about Graham Atalik. I think he's going back to Mexico, and we could see him cross over uh, potentially. But 
there's there's at least like maybe eight people that I actually see at least AEW looking into out of all those people that have left, and that's because they don't have a lot of space on their roster. Now, they can definitely make room, I think, for Jay Lethal, for Keith Lee. Um, and their women's division does need some people that are more experienced, I would say. Even Chelsea Green, I think, is more experienced than a lot of the women uh, outside of your your uh, Thunder Rosas, outside of your Britt Bakers, your Ruby Sohos. Um, you know, I just, Chris, I think that you're kind of like me. Everyone wants to know, and I get it, who AEW is going to grab. And to me, with that list, there's less than 10. And this is the potential of Ring of Honor people are on a non-compete until their stuff is done, obviously. And that's next year, um, beginning no, of next no, year. No, uh, no, no, Ring of Honor is good. They, that's the one good thing that came out of that is that they're able to work wherever as of that statement. Are, are they allowed to work independent dates, or uh, but are they allowed to sign with another company until their contracts? Well, they're not allowed to sign, but they're able to work wherever they want. Okay, as long okay. As, it's not a, as long as it's not like a television date or whatever. So it's, They've already wrapped up the month of November, as far as I know. So the only thing they have left is the final battle, because a, a lot of their stuff is pre-taped. So I think they have like one or two more tapings and then final battle. That's, which that's going to be weird. And then that's done. And I'm still very sad about that. Yeah. Well, so, so there's a possibility, though, like someone, if they can't sign full time, but Sammy Guevara pulls out the, you know, TNT open challenge. Jay Lethal could come out and fucking at least challenge him for a one off with the potential of him coming back around. Something like that could happen. Same thing with Bandito. Same thing with Jonathan Gresham, whoever. Um, yeah, and I mean, this would be the time for AEW to, I, I think, save a little face for Ring of Honor fans because Ring of Honor helps them with that pay-per-view that birthed this company. I would hope a lot yep. of those people would show up at, like, Final Battle. Like, Is there any possibility, you, do you think, that Tony Khan buys Ring of Honor and kind of I mean, uses it as his NXT type of platform, if you will? More indie level more structured fighting matches, but also kind of elevating some younger guys in the mix. You would have to, you would have to think he has at least a bid in on it. If they're selling the tape library, the tape library itself. And yeah, uh, ring of honor, what do they call it? Ring of honor live or world or whatever they, I mean, they have a whole streaming site. You could build, start building an AEW streaming site off of that basically, because you have now, you can put all your stuff on there and then also make packages of like CM Punk back when he was younger, uh, Brian Danielson back in Ring of Honor when he was younger. That's actually, it would be smart at least for the, the tape library. Now that you yeah. mention it. Yeah, I mean, because like you, you would also get, you would own all of like Tyler Black. So like Seth Rollins could be wrestling over here, but you have his Ring of Honor shit. Ooh. Right. <laughs> You get what I'm saying? Like Cesaro could be wrestling over here, but he's Claudio over here. Like there's a lot of, uh, if they're going to sell that tape library, which we, I don't know that we've gotten a definitive answer on that, but it, I mean, that seems to be. People are going back and going. forth because, because Metzler, uh, uh, Alvarez and, um, Sean Ross Sapp said that their connections and impact WWE and AEW, apparently none of them said that they've heard that that's on the market yet, as of yet. And those would probably be the three, people that would try to go for it assuming 
I would I would have to think that WWE would put the biggest bid they could on that just because there's so many former stars that came out of Ring of Honor. Like, you don't want AEW to buy that tape library and then Kevin Steen and El Generico's contracts up. <laughs> and then they yeah. have that entire tape library to build off of to set up a feud or they something. They can literally set up their online app and start, if they wanted to, start doing their pay-per-views very similar model to everyone else that way. And this could be the basis of it. Because they have I mean, a lot of content themselves, but Ring of Honor owns all in. A lot of people forget that. That pay-per-view is owned and on their fucking application. And I think a lot of Ring of Honor fans feel like the, or at least I do personally, feel like it's dying. It's dead. I mean, they're going to rebrand it and do indie shows and stuff, but the Ring of Honor that we know is dead. Like, it's dying on Final Battle. That's, you know, they're getting Undertaker pretty hard. Casket match. <laughs> uh, so why would you not sell the tape library? You're sacrificing everything else if you're Sinclair. So I, I you know, this this is all speculation, but I would assume that they're also going to try to offload that tape library because what are you going to do with a streaming service with all of this back catalog if the fucking product's not on your TV? Because does it matter at that point? No. Are, are they going to go into Blu-ray cells for... <laughs> final battle 2011 or something like because you know this is the one smart thing vince did is buy up all those tape libraries so if you're someone like tony khan and you have like you said a cm punk and the american dragon daniel bryan uh maybe bid high on that yeah so sinclair drop your shit <laughs> but getting back to this putting this and kind of wrapping up a little bit there, there isn't that many people that can really throw on the AEW roster, I don't think. And that sucks for all the people we're talking about. But there's got to be specific ones. They've got to have name value, like a Kevin Owens, uh, especially if they're someone that you can put in a top spot. I would say that's, you know, either Latino, Asian, African-American, kind of structure that more out, or some bigger names in the women's division. But that's about it. A lot of these people are going to go to Impact and make it stronger. A lot of people are going to go to MLW, NWA. Um, but also, in talking about the releases with WWE, it sucks uh, that there's not a Ring of Honor now in the system um, for full-time contracts. So it's going to be interesting, but I really, I really think that a majority of everyone released are going to find homes and going to do awesome, but don't expect every single one of them. Uh, like I said, I think there's less than 10 people specifically, even with the now 18 included, that Tony Khan has either talked to or thought about for the potential of coming into the company. And honestly, this is no offense to Tony Nese because I think he's a fantastic wrestler. If you have the potential of getting a Keith Lee, um, you know, a Jay Lethal, whoever, maybe Tony Nese isn't really necessary is all I'm trying to say. You know what I'm saying? I don't want Tony to oversaturate things because I think he looks at all these kind of in, 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 a, in like a toy manner. And he's got a lot of toys, Chris. Yeah, I'm worried that like only five of these people would make it to AEW. You actually have more numbers than I do, I think. And it's just because they have so much talent already. 
And unless they're going to give them more TV time, which everyone is going to hate, like if they start doing two-hour rampages, uh, and plus their, you know, YouTube shows or whatever, uh, it's going to be wild. Here's a question for you, Dane. Mm-hmm. Keith Lee, New Japan. That would be awesome. Because I, I would, I would love him anywhere. Honestly, that's why. And you know, when I'm saying potential, who AEW could, I'm not saying where I would like to see them, because Keith Lee would be a great person to go over there. Just like we said before about, um, oh man, uh, I can't remember his independent name or. Uh, big gent, Polynesian from Australia, got released last time, uh, was the North American champion NXT. He went right on the main roster, looked awesome, and they just took him off. What the f- Inspired by Earthquake and Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, man. Now his name is escaping me as well, but I know who you're talking about. God dang it. But, like, uh, you know, we said... Him going over New Japan would be just as awesome of him coming into AEW or Impact or whatever. Um, Bronson Reed. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Keith Lee's the same way, man. Uh, Keith Lee can do some awesome stuff over there if he wanted to. And Jonathan Gresham is the other person, more of a technical standpoint. But I'd love to see him over there mixing up with people. But, yeah, definitely I want to see some of these guys go to New Japan. I want to see some of these guys in Impact. That would make a lot of sense. Dalton Castle seems built perfectly for impact. He'd have a lot of fucking fun there. And Danhausen, even if he doesn't end up at there, I just think he has a lot of friends there. Um, that's also another place because they're more sports entertainment a lot of times. Um, but a lot of the big names and even a lot of the smaller names are going to do fine. It just it's it sucks. It's bullshit. I mean, the biggest thing I took away from this is AEW definitely has a chance to get two huge female superstars, which will help that female division a lot, I think. Uh, especially when you start getting into these tournaments they've been doing. Keith Lee, I could easily see going to AEW, but man, he just fits such a need in New Japan. They don't have a big hoss power guy in New Japan right now. Nope at least not the size of like Keith Lee. I can't remember like the last time they had a guy, I guess Prince Ballet. Albert. <laughs> when was, uh, what was Prince Albert's like other gimmick name when he was there? I'm trying to think of like uh, just a big powerhouse. And obviously Albert doesn't like, can't move as good as Keith Lee, not putting those two. I'm just saying like a the only, the only one I can think of is, is uh bad luck folly, but he can't move nowhere near that fast. Yeah, and he's not anywhere as close to the size of Keith Lee. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> like Keith. You're Lee talking more of like a Vader of... type of concept. Yeah, if like right. Keith Lee just comes in there, and bask in his fucking glory, and just starts destroying people, that's a like that would be a great move for both New Japan and Keith Lee. So that and then me... Keith can put on some matches with fucking Jeff Cobb, and they've already had great chemistry in the past, and just blow people's minds like he did with. Dij- uh, Dijakovic in uh, NXT. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Walter's contract, Walter's contract cost so much they had to release all these people <laughs> to convince him to come to America? Because that's the only reason they should have done these releases. Dude, I, like I said, I think it's just because Vince doesn't notice and no one's mentioned to him. Maybe Bruce hasn't noticed either. 
that NXT UK is still fucking there. <laughs> like, and I think there's a lot of talented people over there, but how the hell has he not closed the doors when he's fucking getting rid of stuff that just doesn't, oh, I don't know. Does he not know that NXT UK exists or that, that 205 Lives is still going? I don't want him to get canceled. I'm just wondering. I didn't know 205 Live was still going, except for it is. like the <laughs> random Kushida matches that happen sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to uh, lie. Uh, they don't do a good job of promoting that show. <laughs> That's not on me. Uh, man, it, it's it's crazy amount of firings and all, all of, I don't want to say all of these cats can go. I mean, your grandmother leaks, your Lince Dorados. I like you said, they can go to Mexico and I feel like they'll be fine. You're, you know, Keith Lee, he's going to land somewhere. Just depends on who wants him. Uh, Scarlett Boudreaux and Karrion Cross, they're going to land somewhere, right? I would think. I mean, it may not be AW, but it could easily be, you know, impact again. That could be cool. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, the thing that we haven't really talked about is MLW just let go of two of their biggest contracts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With Filthy Tom and Mance Warner. So maybe they want to re-sign a bunch of people to take that thing to the next level. And Those are two a- guys, too, that, I mean, I, I would assume Filthy Tom wants to go full-time New Japan, if anything. But I don't know if he wants to travel. He's been doing everything over here, so that's uh, interesting. I know he's still the, uh, the champ, but Mance Warner has been put on the back burner as lately. He was one of the biggest stars in that company, giving us like an Austin fucking feel for sure. Uh, a little bit of funk too. But I don't know if he's just trying to like, you know, because he does GCW obviously as well. He does a lot of those organizations, Black Label Pro. Maybe he wants to condense and do smaller stuff and not be under a contract, or maybe he's someone that I could see going to NWA and fucking doing awesome, but also going to Impact and doing equally as awesome. Yeah. But, uh, so MLW has some openings. (laughs) That's all I was saying. They're trying to build. They're trying to build. They got a good set of people so far. That Them grabbing EJ Naduka, the judge, great idea. Yeah, and uh, I guess we talked about dim boys already. I feel like Briscoes uh, are Briscoes are hard, man, because of the controversy with them. I'd love to yeah. see him uh, end up on NWA because I think Billy Corgan would give him a chance over Tony. Yeah, they're just in a weird spot. It's like they NWA or New Japan, right? It could be, you know, New Japan strong. It doesn't necessarily yep. have to be out in the country, but uh, they're kind of just kind of, they're stuck. And and they've been, you know, WWE would be the company that kind of would look over that and try to repackage them, but they've already been to WWE twice and got released twice. So <laughs> I think that, that ship Ugh. has sailed on the Briscoes, which sucks because they're still my, uh, I say my favorite tag team, but God damn, do I love Pride and Powerful LAX. Yeah, they're great, man. All right, well, I think that's it. It sucks that this is, you know, what's happened, but (laughs) fucking WWE. I don't know. So out of touch. So much more television writing. I see good wrestlers doing promos that I know is not natural whatsoever. Formatted, 
Love a lot of the stuff on SmackDown. I like a lot of the roster choices on Raw as of lately. What they've done to NXT outside of uh, Braun Breaker and, and Tony D'Angelo is just kind of abysmal to me. And, uh, yeah, this old man and his TV writers and his yes-men, uh, they're going to keep on being out of touch and not understanding why they're getting stars. Um, I just – and Triple H hopefully uh, is going to be all elite soon. <laughs> He's going to be facing Cody in a Punjabi prison match. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I want you in the Pujami prison. <laughs> no, all joking aside, man, I feel bad for Triple H, and I hope he's doing better. That was scary yeah. when that started trending. I mean, it's fun to make fun of Triple H, and, you know, I still hated him as a kid. He's he's probably one of my favorite heels, just because I grew up in the height of Triple H being Triple H. <laughs> but... Yeah, man. God, sucks to be Triple H right now. Really does. You built this. You built this thing called NXT with a one-hour show, and everyone loved it. They put it on TV and immediately start making changes, make you have a war that no one really wanted. Uh, take all your talent. Just, man, Triple H has had a rough go for the past two years or so. I guess three years. When was that match with? It started when he tore his pectoral muscle or whatever in that match with Shawn Michaels. That was all downhill from there. Jesus. Yeah, it's. They're just so tight on there that his chest muscles, man, it's got to be easy to be able to. I don't know, man. I feel bad for Hunter. I really do. You know, like you said, you can say what you want about him from the past. Try not to involve his heel character, persona, character. Specifically, character on television, but he's tried to give back a lot, and he's made some huge superstars. Um, I think some of them are going to do a far better job in another uh, organization. But at one time, we were talking about him taking over WWE with his very popular show on the network, and then that was used to battle uh, Vince's, uh, you know, competition because he's prideful as fuck. And then he was, they were mad at him for not doing a good job when they put them against the brand new, it's just so much fucking shit, man. And all the firings, it just, that can't be, that can't be a happy situation at all. Yes. And all right. We've been talking about this for, what, three or four years. They can give Triple H the reins. I don't think it's ever happening, man. He's going to nope. give it to, like, He's gonna give it to like Bruce Pritchard before he gives it to Triple H. That's... Kevin, it's like it's like he gets his minions, you know, and 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 Kevin Dunn and Bruce Pritchard and John Laurinaitis. He's like, you all get it. I, I do. Stephanie Hunter. <laughs> no. We kind of mentioned Tom Lawler. He had his final match on MLW versus Mil Mortes in a casket match. So if you haven't checked that out, listeners, check it out. It's great. Fucking Let's awesome, get you. man. All right, let's uh, move on. We're going to do some reviews of the two AEW shows and SmackDown, two shows that we watched last night. Um, man, that Rampage show. Can't wait to talk about that. Let's go over Dynamite first, though. So we have the announcement, basically, that kind of went trending 
that John Moxley was going to basically uh, go get help uh, from a rehabilitation center with his problems with alcoholism. Uh, Tony was the one that made made mention of it online and just let us all know that AEW and him and all the uh, wrestlers are completely supportive of this, his decision. So this was a big deal going into it and would kind of, I you know, hinder the, the tournament outcome uh, of what it was originally supposed to be because I think that it was going to be Moxley and Daniel Bryan at the uh, pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, we saw this weird side of Mox where it seemed like he was going heel. I don't know if he can now when he comes back uh, because of just, you know, this whole t- entire situation. But it was a lot of love and I really appreciated what CM Punk had to say because I know that he's very close to Renee since they worked together on the Fox show. He's been on her uh, podcast a couple times. But just, uh, you know, it, it was nice to see that. It was nice. And I think that anyone out there that needs to get help, uh, do it. I don't care if it's from something mentally like depression um, or if it is a substance abuse. And unfortunately, I've had chances, uh, not chances, but like situations in both. Uh, in my mid-20s, opiates became somewhat of an issue in my life and uh, due to family and friends I was able to get over that and I haven't touched that since then um, now being in my mid 30s and you know we've already gone into uh, mania and stuff like that but specifically with drinking with with anything like that uh, if it's controlling your life or you think it's causing you to go in a direction um, do something about it and if your family or friends are the ones that bring it up because they love you, you know, listen to them. It's hard. It's a prideful situation, but asking for help is not, you know, there's, there's, there's different phone, there's different companies and whatnot. All I'm trying to say is that I know certain people, and I haven't seen a lot of this at all, but are going to call him a coward or whatever. People have issues, man, and when your body's going through a lot of stuff and you're used to a party lifestyle, it might catch up to you, and uh, I hope John Moxley the best. Maybe it was the birth of his daughter that really put things in perspective, but I think it's admirable to allow your boss to talk about it, and um, I'm, I'm glad to see support, and the last thing I'll say before passing it to Chris is that I also saw some ignorant shit from AEW fans claiming negatively towards uh, WWE and how they wouldn't handle this type of situation. All I have to say is that certain regards, I will give them uh, a lot of shit for what they do. We just talked about some of that. But I've also seen them after certain wrestlers sues them later on a couple of years later, even though they don't work for them, put them through rehab and help them out. So just um, might not be as, as, as public, but... It does happen, and it's more important that the person gets help. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I would to to those fans out there, I would just look at Jeff Hardy, right, and how WWE has supported him through a bunch of his follies, uh, even when he was signed to Impact. Kurt Angle, the same kind of situation. Um, I think it. I think it's very, very brave of. John Moxley to take this step. Obviously, the birth of his daughter probably has a lot to do with this. I mean, that puts a lot of shit in perspective. I don't have a kid, but I'm assuming that would, <laughs> you know, you want to be the best for your daughter as you can be. And um, 
yeah, it took a lot of balls. His book just dropped this week. It's very good, like a quarter of the way through it. And I, I think you hit everything else, man. Like, I, I don't know how to elaborate on anything. I, I think you hit all the high notes. I don't want to sound preachy on this, but I just want John Moxley to get the help he needs. And, uh, you know, come back when you're ready. And, and like you said, anyone out there that would think that this takes away from John Moxley, the wrestler, or his attitude or whatever, like, get, get fucked. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the guy is actually a person as well. So just, you know, try to keep that in the back of your head if you're a fan. It's, it's John Moxley will come back and he'll be John Moxley the same as he was before. Agreed. And I'm sure we're going to talk about it once we get to the CM Punk promo. But let's start off uh, a rematch. Uh, Alan Angels, who, you know, me going to Southern Honor Wrestling and seeing this guy, such a great heel, and he came off because of his abilities in the ring and also his heel persona, kind of like an Adam Cole meets Christopher Daniels type of concept. He had his own group. He was very cocky. So to say that when he came over to AEW and they put him in the dark order was a little bit disappointing. And I know that he still comes over to Georgia and he's his old persona, but um, I'm glad it, it, there was there was a lot of rumors, Chris, that Kenny took a liking in him uh, from seeing his stuff and also wanted to have that first match. And the champion, I don't think the champion was on the, the line, but another good showing uh, and Kenny Omega beat him, but... Uh, you know, it's 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 cool that the guy that was fighting Austin Theory not too long ago is having a match with fucking Kenny Omega at the opening of the show. Yeah, was this match for like? Did they announce this match before it happened, or was this one of like a just a random thing? Because I loved, I I thought the match itself was great, but did they announce this last week? I don't think so. I don't I, I don't remember them doing it. Yeah, and and I'm well, I'm not surprised because it's Kenny Omega, but Kenny Omega actually gave this guy a lot of offense as the champion, so they obviously see something in uh, in Allen Angels, which I th- I, I like this match a lot. <laughs> did did they have any kind of interaction like during that battle royal or something? I missed like I, I just don't know what so? I just don't know what set up the match. I do know that like Omega at the end of the match. <laughs> Thanked, thanked Allen for ruining his career <laughs> because of the match, like just being a dick. It was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, Kane's doing better and better on the stick, man. Um, I don't know, man. I guess because they had a really good match beforehand, and and Omega gave them a lot. They wanted to kind of play off the the tag match, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just I like that he almost beat him a couple times, and then it was, I think, three uh, B-triggers, and then it was it was over. So he didn't even do the one-wing angel, so I think he protected his finisher by not needing to, to apply it. But I just love how he was claiming, uh, you know, he can take away Angel's career, and it seemed like he was going to do something dastardly. And, of course, Hangman ran out, uh, was about to give him really cool sequence. Buckshot Lariat almost attempt. Fucking, uh, you know, Kenny gets out of there. And then Hangman says, uh, you know, he realized that the championship belt's still in the ring. Kenny's uh, telling him to give it back. And he said, here you go. Enjoy it for 10 days because I'm coming and I'm going to beat you for that. So really strong, stru- st- blah, strong stuff from um, 
you know, uh, what the hell? Oh, man, my brain is not working today. Does Kitty it ever work? <laughs> Kidding and Hangman Page. Man. <laughs> Jesus. Hangman Page. Great sm- little bit of stuff from Hangman Page. I love the reaction from Kenny. He looked terrified. So I, I like this uh, opening altogether. Yeah, I thought it was great. And, uh, man, I'm assuming that Mr. Kenny Omega is about to get some time off. Because, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this guy. He's incredible. Just yeah, he's a machine. Of, just the amount of work he's put in knowing that he's been hurt for a while is just still baffling to me. Uh, one thing I did like about the match before we move out of it is Nolan uh, Angels getting out of the one-winged angel. Yeah. And he hit the roll-up on it before, like, you know, the V-triggers, which harkened back, I guess, to their last match or whatever. But it was kind of cool that, you know, Kenny didn't hit him with the one-winged angel. So you can always play back to that if you want. And and I think it's, if if it is true, like you were saying, that Kenny Omega t- took a liking to this guy, uh, there's worse people to take a liking to. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no this kidding. Is, this is a good match. <laughs> I just realized the two people I compared him to, uh, watching him at Southern Honor Wrestling, both work for the company too. Seriously. Um, so then CM Punk came out and cut a really good promo. Uh, talking about two men. Uh, one of them was John Moxley that he said he was proud of, that he's not as close to him as he is Renee, but, you know, he's hoping that he's going to get through this whole entire thing and that, you know, kind of just addressing what I just said, basically. And uh, thought that was good stuff. Then took it and poured it, put it back to the storyline and called out Eddie Kingston for not showing up. And, uh, you know, after he interrupts him, uh, the week prior, you know, and not showing up on Wednesday, he expects uh, him to come Friday to Rampage to apologize. So kind of putting that out there and, and setting stuff in motion for what would explode last night, Chris. I personally thought this was CM Punk's second best promo since coming back. I thought it was very heartfelt and... Uh... He channeled a lot of what I like to see with CM Punk, the the realism, and and then played it back into the storyline. Uh, obviously, the first one when he was back in Chicago, that was just kind of just nuts to see him in the ring again. But I, I think this is, to me, was his best promo since he's been back outside of that initial. Yep, I agree. That the initial one, it. I think that when it comes down to it, the initial one was great because it was like heartfelt because, you know, he came back. It's that's going to be like a different level. But this is, to me, the best CM Punk. What happened last night between him and and Eddie Kingston, which we were hoping this was going to happen, was the best version of CM Punk. Even if you're a babyface, we want you kind of to be a dick, you know, to really kind of go for low blows and be aggressive. It's just. It's CM Punk. I mean, it plays off his personality. And, uh, yeah, when we get into that show later, I I actually like that match a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> or not. All that. right. All right, so we had a little brawl in the back. Superclicks talking uh, shit about, uh, you know, uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Christian. They came up, beat the living hell out of them. You know, last week we had uh, – that was the coolest part because it just started with Christian and, and Luchasaurus. 
And I swear to God, they had this shot on stage where Jungle Boy just ran. We haven't seen him since he got put through tables, uh, either last week or the week uh, before that. And then he just comes launching out of nowhere and just takes out the whole super click. And, uh, yeah, they beat the living hell out of him, and then Adam Cole gets a concerto. Uh, that was my biggest issue with this. Not that Christian can't do the concerto, because he should be able to fucking do it. He, you know, it's not just Edge's thing. But Adam Cole was going to have a wrestling match Friday. And if this was taped right afterwards, like it usually is, it could be that Rampage was live last night. I don't remember. Then he's just fine not too long ago after getting a fucking concerto. That, to me, it's like he didn't need to bring that out. But I like the beatdown other than that, Chris. It looks like this is going to be our match at, uh, at Full Gear. Yeah, I, I think ladders match. Well, I guess they don't have any titles. Maybe like a no DQ match. Certainly, yes. but I mean they're doing they're going to do that cinematic Jericho thing. I'm assuming so. Maybe I don't know. It'll be a good match either way. I like this segment a lot, and uh, yeah, like you said, Jungle Boy did just kind of come out of nowhere. <laughs> um. The the concerto thing, when you do it by yourself, it's just not as cool as when Chris and Edge did it together. I know Edge has done it. You know, you put you put the, the chair underneath the guy's head and you clap it, and that's technically a concerto. But I would have maybe thrown a chair to, you know, uh, Luchasaurus and did an actual concerto. But that's nitpicking. I thought it was a fun segment. Yeah, my biggest deal is even if it, even if last night was live and it wasn't directly filmed after Dynamite, you either had Adam Cole have a match the same night or you had him three nights later be like, yeah, it hurt, but I was fine. Like, all right. Fuck the concerto. <laughs> this, is, this goes into how hard you protect something when it's that kind of move, right? So, like, uh, for instance, the Randy Orton punt was protected for forever. Yep. Right. And then they started utilizing it and, and kind of watering it down. It's, uh, yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. It, it's, it's really hard to do if you're going to record two shows in the same night, which happens a lot with AEW. Yep. Well, uh, next match we would have the triple a tag team champions, uh, the greatest luchadors on the planet. Dax Howard and Cash Wheeler going against uh, some AAA uh, wrestlers, uh, both of them well-known. Aerostar from his fame of jumping off shit really high in the fucking air at AAA uh, wrestling matches and also being a part of Lucha Underground. And Samurai Del Sol, which a lot of people, and I don't think, uh, I'm assuming uh, JR didn't realize, but is uh, Kalisto, who was recently released uh, over at um wwe i think the last round so he's been in triple a again so it was a fun match man because especially when uh samurai del sol it's kind of hard not to call him Kalisto, was in the ring with dax and cash he kind of knows a slowed down basically version obviously working at wwe so he's able to get kind of like a less lucha libre based style match but it's still fun Seeing Dax and Cash have all these guys jumping all over and shit like that and trying to ground them, even though they're the triple A tag team champions. Uh, they got better of Aerostar and just beat the living shit out of him for a while. Um, 
But yeah, they both uh, almost scored roll-ups. And then uh, Wheeler, who benefited from interference by Harwood, reversed a roll-up by Aerostar for the win. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was it. Afterwards, I believe it doesn't have this in my notes, man. But this is after. No, no, no. That happens with Cody later on. Never mind. Uh, what did you think about this? I love that we went through this like very methodical match to get a roll-up. <laughs> yeah. It actually fits with FTR. It's like kind of par for the course with what they're doing, especially in AAA. Like their slow, methodical, old school wrestling style is the exact opposite of what's going on in AAA. So they're kind of perfect heels <laughs> for the AAA tag team. It was a, I thought this was a really, really fun match. Uh, when I think Aerostar, though, I can only see him doing that stupid dive that almost killed him. I, it's still baffling to me why that was a thing. Um, Were you worried that he was going to try to attempt something dumb at this? No, because Tony would be like, ah, no, you're not doing that. Very saw Matt Hardy almost kill himself. We don't need you to do it to you, bud. <laughs> but yeah. Jesus. And uh, so Darby Allen just randomly shows up in the crowd in the middle of this match. Am I, did I, are my notes just yep. sprawling weird? Okay. Nope, he was. Forgot about that. Uh, so we have the inner circle come out and uh, reveal who they wanted to go against from for full gear for their Minneapolis street fight um, from American Stop Team. Dan Lambert and his group obviously interrupts them, and they go back and forth. Uh, so Jake Hager says Dos Santos and compares him to Popeye. That was kind of funny. Um, I will also say that when he called him out for losing in record-breaking time, this is an ex-champion who has a really great record and you have three fights within yours. But whatever. Just saying. Um, and then, uh, whatchamacallit, Ortiz piece, uh, picks Andre Orlarski. We don't know who's going to be the fifth person. Uh, it's hinted that uh, Paige Van Zant is going to be that because it was first positioned to her husband. And then she's like, I can talk for myself. She cut a great promo, man. I'm just saying, if you wanted to give this woman some, uh, if you know, I don't know what she's doing with bare knuckle boxing anymore, but give her some training, kind of like a Ronda Rousey type of situations, and see if she can become a pretty decent female wrestler. She's got a lot of pizzazz, man. I definitely like Paige Van Zant, uh, but they did not choose her. They chose Dan Lambert, who was claiming that he was the first me- member of American Top Team. So I kind of saw that coming. And this is going to end with Chris Jericho beating the crap out of Dan Lambert and pinning him in the ring so he can have his I beat um, Jim Cornette concept, I feel. But should be interesting. Even though Jorge Masvidal wasn't an option, wasn't there, I'd like to see him interfere. And maybe this is a situation where you could see like a Mike Tyson showing up, especially if it's cinematic, to help out the inner circle. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I feel like Jericho is going to get punched in the face by Paige Van Zant, Chris. I think you're 100% spot on with that, which will be a great moment. I'm, this has to be a cinematic match, right? There's a lot of people in here that have never worked a wrestling match. So, um, yeah, it's a weird one. I do like Paige Van Zant a lot, and I think that she should maybe gear her career towards wrestling if she can. I know she's done some acting and uh, 
I just seen a couple of her UFC fights and uh, not not geared towards wrestling. <laughs> the last couple I saw, at least. But uh, hey, she'd probably knock me out though. That being said, but uh, my nieces absolutely absolutely hate Dan Lambert. The only person they hate more than Dan Lambert is uh, MJF. <laughs> Top two heels in the company. <laughs> Get that. They heat. Were, they were cheering so hard when Jericho was laying the ass with him. All right, so uh, we had for the TBS Women's Championship Tournament, uh, the Dark Orders, Anna Jay going against Jamie Hayter. I really, I, I don't know if Anna Jay's just still kind of ginger from her from her injury that she just got back from. I definitely did not see Hayter beating her, and she did. And I mean, she definitely had, you know. Um, I guess this ties more into the storyline, maybe, because Britt's going against Ty Conti, her best friend. So afterwards, after interfering a bunch, Rebel, Britt, and, and you know, uh, Jamie start beating the crap out of her. Ty Conti makes her way down. And then the real person that we want to see go against Britt Baker, who I know is also in this tournament, so we'll see what happens. But Thunder Rosa comes down and starts, you know, beating the crap out of her old rival, Britt Baker. So, does anyone care about Ty Conti and Britt Baker, or do we just want this to get over with so we can eventually get uh, Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa? I know they're trying to get Ty Conti over, but I think everyone's on the same page as you with let's get to the Thunder Rosa match, or it's or back to the <laughs> the Ruby Soho match if possible. Those would be the two matchups I would want to see personally. This was fine. This thing was like two minutes long. Yep. So I I don't know that <laughs> Anna Jay is going to get a big push in this company. All right. So we had uh, MJF came up, come out and uh, starts talking to Darby Allen, who was shown, like you mentioned, in the audience beforehand. And starts talking to him just on like a personal level about how they're both the pillars and they're two different people, but you know they they've they've uh, they've made their mark in this company, and that you know they're both in the better or they're both great in the ring, but he says MJF says that he's better on the mic and he's better at actual pure wrestling, and that he could beat Allen with a headlock takeover. I wonder if they're gonna go for something like that in this fucking match, but um. Allen uh, gets the mic and says that he's not going to let MJF bother him. He vowed to beat MJF uh, in a wrestling match at full gear and then came through the audience and they started, you know, beating the crap out of each other. Sting fended off uh, Sean Spears, both in, in whom uh, became involved in the segment while Allen brawled with MJF in the crowd. Uh, the scarf wearing uh, heel bailed out and headed through the crowd to avoid future pain and punishment, talking trash with Allen on his way out. So we have one more week to to put some more fire in this, but I'm already excited about it, and I think this is going to be probably one of the better matches. And I think that the whole point of it, Chris, what is MJF forgetting that a lot of people forget because he's a crazy high flyer? He's also a collegiate wrestler from high school. And he can do a wrestling-style match if he wants to. So this is going to be fun. You got your flair and sting type of concept. And uh, we'll uh, we'll go from here to find out what happens between the two. But 
I, I think next week he's got to get under Darby Allen's skin this time. And we need to see even more ferocity in him and maybe have MJF get the better of him before the pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I, I definitely could see that. Who do you think is going to win this match? Darby needs a win after losing to CM Punk, I would think, right? I don't think it's going to hurt MJF either way. If Darby, would Darby be his first uh, loss? Oh, God, I forgot about that. MJF has, well, no, MJF's lost a match, hasn't he, at this point? I don't remember. Even if it's Darby, if you say that that were to be the case, I don't have a problem with that because I feel like this is going to be a flare sting scenario where you're going to see these guys down the road many, many more times. I could even see Darby winning with that weird, like, roll-up pin thing. Getting a – yeah. Um, and maybe maybe Wardlow somehow screws up MJF and you get the weird roll-up pin. But, yeah, this I mean, this, this is fun. That could be the setup for the breakup, too. You're right. So, uh, I liked it. My nieces loved it. They're big Darby Allen fans, so they, were, they hate MJF. <laughs> So I guess I'll, I know who I'm going to be cheering for at the pay-per-view. Absolutely. All right, so... Uh, Cody Rhodes, Andrade El Idolo. Um, I mean, this, is, this, this was a good match. Don't get me wrong. I, Cody's trying with the whole, you know, him and the audience thing. And he's going against someone that's really... Purely a heel um, with Andrade, even though the audience seems to like him too. I do remember, I believe Malachi Black talked about earlier in a promo that's not in my notes, um, kind of claiming that, you know, what did he say? I think Brutus wasn't the only one that stabbed uh, Julius Caesar. Like, and there's been a lot of talk about was that referencing AEW or Tony Khan? Or was that just referencing maybe Cody? You know, he kind of talked about Cody, but he talked about the company at large. So I don't know. I thought it was very intriguing. But it makes me think that whatever they're going to do at Full Gear, which they haven't finalized, I'm assuming it's going to be Pac and Cody against Andrade and Malachi, that Arn Anderson's going to fucking stab Cody in the back. And I thought it was going to happen tonight. And I'll give my predictions after we talk about the match. But uh, were you about to say something, Chris? Oh, no, man. Uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. you're good. I didn't yeah, know I if you to... wanted to get something out. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm on the same page as you. I think that is, with the Malachi promo, that seems where they're headed. Well, yeah. Is the idea to make Cody a sympathetic babyface because Arn turned on him, though? Because isn't Arn a bigger babyface than Cody at this point? <sighs> I don't know, man. Especially Glock Anderson or whatever, Armed Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. Arn turning on Cody, I don't know that that's... I mean, that that may be where they're going. I just don't know that that's going to make Cody a baby face again. Yep. Um, uh, I, I don't know. <sighs> but this situation, I think they could have done something if they had someone else, but there's obviously situations of why that wouldn't work. But the match itself was really good. Obviously, there was interference from FDR, FTR. Um, and you know, that caused Cody, the match, you got the camera lock DDT and, 
that was uh, that that was about it. And afterwards, we have Arnie Anderson on the outside. We have FTR, who he obviously like has put over and and likes, and even had segments with them with the Rock and Roll Express and the, and the Young Bucks in the past. Um, but he's pissed, and he goes after kind of Tully and like pulls him around. He's like, "What the fuck?" And uh, out comes the uh, out comes the uh, Lucha Brothers to even the odds. Pac wasn't there. I don't know what was going on with him for this whole entire thing, but they 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 made mention of that. Um, but they cleared the heels, and yeah, we have still this 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 relationship with Andrade and the Pinnacle. Uh, I know it's money related, as they would do later on in the back with the promo. MJF asking for his money, his uh, whatever the fuck that guy's supposed to be. Uh, giving him some, and then MJF asking for a little bit more, and they gave him some more money. So I, I don't know why Andrade really needs FTR. I just feel like this was supposed to go in a different direction, Chris, but they weren't able to sign someone that should have been heavily involved in this whole entire scenario that would have made it a bit bigger. Uh, but I'll, I'll say that after. What, what did you think about this match, basically? So what you're trying to say is, ooh. <laughs> Uh, I thought the match itself was was really good. I, it's just it's weird, man, because it does seem like that was the build up, but they're still going there, right? I the thing is, like you alluded to, I understand the controversy itself. I think I'm not going to go into that shit at all, but I think that at one time, because they are friends, Tony was going to get Ric Flair involved in Andrade. We all heard those rumors. And if you have a situation where even if Cody's having this problem being a babyface, um, you have Ric Flair involved or he's involved with Andrade. He's doing the transactions with MJF. He's kind of hyping him up and being his, his talking point because I don't know what the fuck that other guy is there for. Uh, and you have them all working together. And that moment in the ring where Arn Anderson not only, you know, confronts Tully, but also confronts Rick. It just puts a lot more into it because then if Arn Anderson fucks over a Rhodes, you actually have a chance to get Cody back over as a babyface if Ric Flair is involved in the beatdown afterwards and it's the old horseman and the pinnacle and Andrade all taking out Cody Rhodes. I just don't think that this has as much going towards it uh, if that was the case. And I think that he was supposed to be involved in all of this, or that's what I think. At least I could be wrong. Not to spend more time than we have to on it, but do you think this is actually a swerve and it's going to be Cody Rhodes snapping on arm and hitting could him be. with like a spine buster in a DDT? Could be for sure. And then that, that sets up Arn bringing somebody in maybe. Cause there's a lot of people you could bring in. <laughs> You take a few weeks off. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, Chris, did you hear exactly the reasoning? I, I, I don't remember them explaining it at least well of why Miro was chosen to replace John Moxley in the tournament. Not that I have a problem with it, but was it ever explained? I think it was based on win-loss records. Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Because Mira's lost. He's only lost the. T- he's only lost that one match, right? Which was yep. that when he when he dropped his title. 
So I think they just put him there. I mean, he should be the number one contender in general, but I guess he's got to go through this rigmarole. <laughs> so I'm at, I think they mentioned that, or maybe I just drew that conclusion in my mind. But I mean, he's only lost one match since he's been there. So I didn't have a big problem with it just being Miro. I kind of I kind of thought that they'd just give Orange Cassidy a bye and give us Cassidy versus Daniel Bryan. But it to me, now it seems like it's going to be Miro versus Daniel Bryan because you're not going to have Orange Cassidy beat Miro, I don't think. No, and, and he obviously beat him. And a uh, pretty good match. I mean, Orange Cassidy was going for his, uh, his head, you know, which we've established was his weak point. Getting DDTs, using his Lucha Libre to get around him. But Miro finally got him, got the game over. Got the uh, submission victory. Um, awesome. He was able to do the beach break on him, which I thought was pretty cool. Orange Cassidy definitely is stronger than he looks because Miro's a big motherfucking dude. Um, after the match, Brian Danielson came in to... <laughs> is, is, it, is it that Orange Cassidy is that strong or is it Miro is that fucking good in the ring and just went up super light? <laughs> could be, man. It could be definitely that. That might be the uh, situation. But afterwards, we had uh, Brian Danielson come up Wanted to shake uh, hands with Miro. Miro w- wasn't having it and was just staring him down like he was about to fucking eat him. My question to you, Chris, along with how did you like the match and how do you like the match set up for the pay-per-view, the finals, Brian Danielson versus Miro. Do you think this means that this is the same situation that would have happened with Moxley and then it would have been Moxley versus Brian Danielson since Moxley's phased out, Miro's put in. This makes me think that Brian Danielson's winning – and this makes me think that that was what was going to happen regardless. And this makes me also think that Kenny's going to beat Adam Page a little bit. Because you're not going to have Page versus, uh, uh, what you call it, Danielson. I, don't, I just don't see that happening. I mean, it could, but I don't know. This is, a, this is a weird situation. But I don't see Miro beating Brian Danielson at full gear. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you as far as who's going to win that match. And I went back and forth with it because I thought it'd just be crazy if somehow Orange Cassidy came out on top uh, of that. I thought it was going to be Brian versus Orange Cassidy because I thought that was going to be Moxley's breaking point because they were teasing him going heel, which I think was my prediction last week. And obviously things change. I mean, you can't do anything. And like we said earlier, well, it's just a Moxley. But now with the setup, I guess you're going to have to hand Miro a loss. And uh, as far as the title going forward, I, I still do think Adam Page is taking that title belt. So you might just do babyface versus babyface. I don't know. I mean, they did it with Darby and CM Punk, and it worked out well. So That's a good point. So that means I think Adam Page is going to beat Brian Danielson then. Whenever they have their match. I, I would have to think so, because you're not going to put the title on Adam Page and then just have him lose it immediately. But That I mean, would piss people off. It's going to piss people off regardless if he doesn't beat Kenny for the title. It's been two years. People are like, I think Hangman Adam Page is the biggest baby face they have in their company. Even over Daniel Bryan and uh, CM Punk to some extent, especially if you're outside of Chicago. Like... Listen to his pops. That crowd, the fans that are there for Hangman are, are fucking there for Hangman. Which sounds crazy, but 
it, if you watch the show, I think Hangman is one of the most over people. I mean, with the exception of Sting, because, you know, he's Sting. Yeah. He's Sting. Definitely is Sting. All right. Well, let's move over. Man, the more I'm thinking of it, last night was a very lax night for uh, SmackDown. Looking over the whole entire thing. Well, we'll just talk about it in, in more of chunks, I would say, than do Rampage and get out of here. But um, I do want to mention, Chris, just because I just you know popped in my head, there were some really good matches on Raw. But specifically, if you haven't got a chance or if anyone out there hasn't got a chance, go watch the match with Finn Balor and Chad Gable. It was short, but it was such a fun match that reminded me of like your Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero style match or an Owen-Brett match. Uh, with just going back and forth with wrestling, but making it really fast-paced. Um, and damn, it makes me really wish that Chad Gable was utilized better. Yeah. Did you get a chance to see that? I did. I thought it was a great match, and it it does suck that Chad Gable has not been used to his full potential. He reminds me so much of Owen. I know people say Kurt Angle, which makes a lot of sense. He does a lot of that style, you know, the the ankle lock and whatnot, and he's the Olympian, but his cockiness, his arrogance, they could do a lot with them if they gave him a chance, I think. I, I think, I, to me, I actually related more to Owen than Kurt Angle, just because he's not a, he's not scared to go off the ropes. Like, he That's throws in some aerial stuff here and there, which Kurt Angle... Uh, <laughs> Besides he, the moonsault. Well, yeah, the moonsault, which I think that was... Did he start doing that... I think he started doing that in Impact. I think so he started. I think he started doing it um, during the Sean thing, because Sean wouldn't shut up about, you know, how Kurt Angle is an aerial guy. Because Sean uh, doesn't moonsault. I believe. I think that is the case. I could be wrong though. Yeah. So that's like tail end of his WWE run, right? Because he's yes. in Impact at like what 2007. Mm-hmm. 2008 some somewhere in there but yeah like when you think of kurt angle you don't think well i mean if you're an impact fan you think oh this crazy motherfucker is gonna jump off this giant cage for no reason and do a moonsault <laughs> almost killed himself and fucking kennedy doing that shit but if you're a wwe fan when you think of kurt angle i don't you think angle block and angle slam and, and crisp german suplexes where yeah, i think owen hart like owen hart did a bunch of lucha stuff and was kind of known of it, known for it. So I, I agree with you on that one. I think that that's a better comparison. Yeah, really, really like Chad Gable. Like I said, I don't want anyone to lose their job, but I always think about him or Ricochet and like I don't think it would be a bad thing or Ali. Um, God. Anyways, so we had the. The, uh, the the head of the table come out, you know, talking about rumors of why he wasn't there the week before. He decided he needed a long uh, vacation, basically after smashing Brock Lesnar. Um, he went to Heyman and was saying, but we had a problem last week, didn't, didn't we? And last week, we had that whole thing with Kayla kind of prodding. Uh, Paul Heyman to be like, so what is Brock Lesnar? What would Brock Lesnar think? And he was like, well, I'll tell you what Roman Reigns would think. It's like, then she was like, no, but what would Brock think? And then he 
kind of put his guard down, kind of went more in character, uh, sticking up for Brock Lesnar, caught himself. So he thinks that, that Roman's talking about that shit, and he's talking about the loss with the Usos with the New Day, and basically, you know, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, that, that's what you're talking about. thought that was great. Uh, and then Jimmy basically is, since he took the pin, Tribal Chief makes him go against Xavier Woods. New Day comes out, and basically it's talked about that if Xavier loses King Xavier Woods, he has to bow down to the Tribal Chief. But if Jimmy loses, Jimmy has to bow down to King Xavier, which does not uh, – definitely strikes a nerve with Roman Reigns. But I like this opening. I like the segment. Paul Heyman is fucking amazing, as always. Chris? I always space on the the announce uh, the not the announce the the mean Jean Okerlund of the situation. What is her name again? Oh, um, Kayla Braxton. Dude, Paul Heyman and Kayla Braxton <laughs> are absolutely amazing, and I love that she's just such a shit stirrer, but only specific to Paul Heyman. <laughs> Yeah. Like she doesn't do this with anyone else on the roster, really, but it's it's great, and I'm glad that like Paul's able to give her a rub through this, um, and let her do more. <laughs> Actually, now that we know she has a personality, is and it's not one of your um, robots backstage. I love the setup for this, the the entire storyline of like one person asks Neil, "Do you kneel before the king or before the tribal treat chief?" It's pretty great. Yeah. And I love the rivalry. Where's this going to lead to? Are we leading to Survivor Series Big E stepping in, uh, you know, so they're not outnumbered um, to help them out? And then we have the two champions against each other with the New Day versus the Bloodline. But actually, a full match this fucking time, I think that would be a lot of fun. I agree with you. I, I I'm still going to stick with my prediction of, like, Roman Reigns is going to be so fed up with the Usos that he actually picks the new day. I love that idea, though, too. I forgot that you said that last time. And then that just gives more gas to that feud. And uh, maybe it leads down the road. You can have some interaction with uh, the king, Xavier Woods, who's out here living his best life. Now he's got a G4 TV show as well. (laughs) He's just nerding it up. Yeah. Maybe him and him and Roman at, at Rumble. Could be. I'm hoping that he's getting pushed to that level. I'm really liking this Xavier. Um, I, yeah, there are flashes, I guess. Someone mentioned this uh, to King Booker, but I think he's going a different direction and he's babyface. I don't think Xavier as the king is going to go heal anytime soon. I'm pretty much more convinced that's not going to happen. I don't ever see the new day being separated really or being healed they're just like they're like the fabulous free birds they are what they are at this point yep all right next match we had uh you know mr jimmy uso's uh beautiful wife naomi going against Shayna baszler i don't get this fucking situation with her um and uh sonya deville uh but sonya deville keeps on fucking her over You know, you get a past champion versus someone that's never held a championship that's, you know, kind of more of a a figure in the back. But they have a match with her and Baszler. She gets the best of Baszler. uh, But 
All of a sudden, Sonya Deville comes out and claims that since Naomi partially used the ropes, which I think she kind of repositioned herself, I don't think she actually used it to like benefit her, um, that she was going to restart the match. And Naomi being pissed off, backed up right into uh, Shayna Baszler, putting in their putting her in the uh, Kohina clutch, and Bell was wrong, and then she's put under, and Sonya Deville, as referee, calls her out. So I just I don't get this. I don't know how. I, I know Sonya Deville's looking like a great heel. Uh, Jim Cornette calls her Cruella Deville, uh, which makes a lot of sense, Sonya Deville. Um, but you know, other than the heel work, what is this? Why? Why is she doing this shit? Um, you know, because it's one thing that floats in my mind. It's not the best fucking thing at all. Kind of fucked up, actually. So I don't know. Chris, what do you think about this? I mean, the first thing when I see Sonya now is that she lost in that tournament in like two minutes. And also, I don't understand the storyline. What what is what is the purpose of keeping Naomi off TV to set up these matches? Like they, uh, this was fine. I don't know. This this one seems like they just wrote some shit down on a post-it note and was like, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <sighs> All right. Well, we had a backstage segment. Uh, Megan uh, Morant uh, caught up with Shotzi Blackheart and asked about the brutal beatdown that they just showed on the show of Sasha Banks from the week previous. Then the ballsy badass uh, bit back against the title shot. Uh, she's lost the tag partner that she had to say goodbye to, the fans she's lost uh, from moving so much, and the defeat at the hands of Charlotte Flair. She, she believes uh, it's all caused by Banks or at least she's going to use that as the cause. She's going to run uh, over anyone in her path, and she doesn't need a tank to do it anymore. So we have a much more badass, but also looks like it could be going in a heel direction for Shotzi Blackheart. We're cutting out the tank, and just more going off of her her aggression. Uh, What do you think about that, Chris? I don't like dropping the gimmick because it's just going to become generic. Uh, but I like I like the idea of the match and the, the matchup and the feud that they have going. But uh, the aggression's fine, but why does she have to drop her entire... Isn't she supposed to be a... I'm still confused on if she's a babyface at this point, Dane. I, I think they're healing her, man, because I, I, I just feel like that's the direction they're going in. That's... I don't know. Isn't every female wrestler with the exception of Naomi, <laughs> a heel on this roster. Now that you mention it, I think the only baby faces are like Naomi and Liv Morgan on both of them. <laughs> That's my point is like, wouldn't you, I mean, even if you have Shotzi lose, at least she's a baby face and she has a, you have a storyline where she can chase the title, but whatever. I, what the fuck do well, I Well, also, well, there, there are two great baby faces that they've done absolutely nothing with. One of them is the ex-partner of Shotzi, and the other one's fucking Tony Storm. And she's got, well, she's a heel, though, because she's got the shiniest of shiny wizards. Always bringing that foreign object into the ring, game. Yeah, you can't be doing that. Uh, No. (laughs) Well, they turned her heel when she was on NXT, though, right before she left. So is she? And they made her a baby face when she came on to uh, WWE. She's only had like two matches and has been off ever since then. And I don't remember since their tag match. When's the last time? um, What the hell is her name? 
Australian girl that was positioned with Shotzi, and she's had like 50 fucking ACL injuries. Um, <laughs> Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox. Thank you. She's she's somewhere. She had two tag matches with Shotzi, and then has been off ever since, and they split them up. Did I just confuse Tony Storm and Tegan Knox? Is it Tegan Knox that has the giant knee brace? Yes. Actually, okay. now that you mentioned it, you did. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Tony does the uh, Tony driver, I believe. Yeah, okay. Sorry, people listening out there. I did confuse those two. But uh, hey, put them on TV and maybe I'll remember who they are. No shit. All right. Uh, we also had a match with... Dude, I really like this tag team. And it's so much a throwback to uh, to the Guerreros. I don't know what they were called. Were they called Los Guerreros? Where it was uh, Eddie and Chavo? I believe so. Yeah, because it was just a take on their heritage or whatever when they were it was mostly just eddie yelling at chavo a lot from what i remember in wcw well and when they did in wwe it was right before they started really pushing eddie but it was like them two and they would have a lot of matches i believe with benoit and um jericho and uh team angle uh that era but i mean you know humberto carrillo Obviously, Angel Garza has the most charisma, but their promo right beforehand, they're, they're now called Los Lotharios. They're both like badasses. Uh, you know, it, he's not so – basically, Humberto Carrillo is not so one note. He's his cousin. I know that Eddie was actually the uncle technically to Chavo, but there was a huge age gap between brothers, and he was fucking like two years older than Chavo. So cousin, same type of scenario with Angel Garza. And they just look like badasses. They look like a good tag team. They went against Mansoor and Cesaro. My biggest problem is that Cesaro had to take the fucking pin instead of Mansoor. But if you're elevating these two guys and it's a similar fashion, I, I just think Angel Garza's money, dude. I really do. I have to agree with you, man. I love Angel Garza. Uh, they dialed him back a lot as far as what they wanted to do in the ring. It took away a lot of stuff that he was doing in NXT. I he needs to take off his pants that. like he used to in NXT. That's what you're yeah. saying. And, well, he's also not, you know, they kind of gave him that gimmick where he was a playboy for a little bit, even when he went to the main roster, and they've dialed that back a bit. So this is a good tag team. I mean, WWE's tag team, so it's a good one. I, I like the direction they're going, but I have zero faith in uh, them doing anything with the tag team division. Yep, I sadly agree with you on that. Um, all right, so we had Drew McIntyre issue another open challenge this week, and uh, Ricochet obliged, the one and only showing off confidence, uh, slaps him in the fucking face right at the beginning of it. Like Drew's like, hey, how you doing? All right, you're going to go against me? And then there's like a pause, slap. So Ricochet wasn't fucking around, um, and they had a really good match. It was short. And Ricochet inevitably lost with a Claymore, but um, they were going back and forth. Ricochet's evading a lot of stuff that Drew's throwing on him, reversing shit. It made him look uh, really good. He did a standing uh, shooting star press. He uh, executed a brain buster. Uh, oh, whatchamacallit, McIntyre got a brain buster on uh, Ricochet. Almost won. And then we almost had – it was going to be basically a moonsault. Um which Ricochet scaled the ropes, positioned him into a, a springboard moonsault. When he came down, perfectly timed, Drew McIntyre hit him with a claymore. When he was like, you know, perfectly where his face is in the air. One, two, three. And uh, afterwards, you know, uh, 
Drew McIntyre picked him up and was like, thank you for the match. Like, you know, that was, you know, kind of putting him over and shit like that. Ali was watching this the whole entire time, and I believe a purple suit, and afterwards is trying to get into Ricochet's head about that they have a lot in common. They should work together, basically, and Ricochet told him to fuck off. So I don't know what they're doing, but I like it if they're going to utilize people, and these two had a really fucking awesome match. That ending, perfect timing. Um, what did you think, Chris? So like three weeks from now, Humberto and Angel Garza versus <laughs> Ricochet. And, yeah, uh, probably. Now that you mention it. <laughs> uh, well, and when you then, put it that way, <laughs> that'll be a good match if they give them more than three minutes. This was a, this is a really good match, man. I mean, Ricochet's great in the ring. Uh, Drew has grown on me over the past couple of years, as we've talked about, and. I, I just don't know what they're doing. With, he's in. I don't know why they moved Drew to SmackDown. Honestly, I have no idea, man. Because it's. I mean, it's stacked with. I mean, Lesnar's there and Lesnar. <laughs> Are they gonna have him win the Rumble again? Like that storyline is locked up until probably until WrestleMania, unless they're gonna get the Rock, which. Uh, and Nia Jax getting fired seems like maybe that would be an issue. Do you think so? Do you think that that's actually probably going to hinder uh, the relationship, if you will? I don't know. I mean, he's the rock. He could just ask for $500,000 more, and that would be like Nia Jax's, more than Nia Jax's contract for next year. <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> So maybe not if you're just like, well, it's like, you know, they haven't let go his daughter who's still in the performance center. So I think as long as uh, they keep her going along, he might be okay with the WWE. (laughs) God, that sounds fucked up, but it's true. That's how shit works. Are we going to get Cena in mania? That's a, that's the, that's the big question I've had is because he came back. I don't know that he's filming anything around the time of Mania. Does Cena show up at the Rumble? I don't know, man. Because you're not going to get Taker. You can't do Edge again. Like, who are you going to bring? Like, what legends are you going to bring back at this point? They either work for AEW or (laughs) are way past the ability of getting in the ring. Um, Maybe they'll get Ric Flair to come out of retirement. Hey, Ric Flair said he would never retire. <laughs> Woo! It's him and Terry Funk, their final match. Terry Funk would totally do that. He's been telling people to book him. <laughs> so, I don't know. I love I love that Sabu always is like, whenever he's interviewed, he's always like, I want to fight Brock Lesnar. Which, by the way, Sabu said he's pretty much, he's got a couple matches left and that's it. He fucked up his back a year and a half ago. His wife passed away and he's kind of like on the out, so... A lot of positive vibes going to Sabu, uh, badass wrestler, one of the best high flyers of all time. One of my absolute favorites, and uh, he's two hip replacements, bad back. This man has given it his all, so shout out to Sabu. Well wishes, bud. All right, so uh, we also had this weird part where um, Sami Zayn was trying to convince Aaliyah that if she really wanted to get over, she should wear a pantsuit. And Jeff Hardy kind of came up and was like, will you fuck off sort of thing. Sammy was on a couple times. He'd be on a little bit later, too, with Hit Row. That was pretty funny. But um, <laughs> I wish that Jeff Hardy's gimmick was just walking up to people and like, will you please fuck off? 
<laughs> you get out of here. Uh. Viking Raiders and Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss. I got to be honest with you. I kind of tuned out during this match. So let me find out who won. I'm assuming it's the Viking Raiders. If if it's not, Chris, and they gave it to Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss, just lunacy. Uh, so who won? Viking Raiders. All right. I don't care. Do you do you care about this at all? No, it was a four minute match. I mean, all right. Was, so with commercials, I guess it was technically like six minutes, but it, it it was it was just there. So basically, I don't know what Sami Zayn was trying to go for. And all right, so with BFAB now out of hit row. <sighs> It just it, it it goes and makes them like a diverse group of like all these badass actual real life musicians. Like I just don't understand this. If she wasn't that good in the ring, which she wasn't, why not just make she was decent on the mic, just keep her as their fucking their valet or whatever, but whatever. Um basically what I'm trying to say is now it kind of looks more you got your big guy, you got your smart guy, and you got your high flyer. So the trio is very similar to another trio, very famous within WWE, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so I wasn't a big fan of uh, BFAP when she was on the mic, just to be completely honest after that. I can't even, I couldn't TV. recite anything that she said, honestly. I don't remember. That was an overridden promo, so I'm just going to give that entire crew a pass on that one. They were like trying to throw in like buzzwords like eat. And like sheesh, and uh, you know, Fortnite stuff, I guess. As the kids, you, you as the sound kids so do. white right now. Well, hey um, man, <laughs> I'm old, dude. We're both old, but look, <laughs> the majority of WWE's audience is also fucking old. So when you start throwing out these terms from like two years ago, I don't know that you're gonna get the kids involved. Um, or care about this. Maybe hire a guy to do that. Like that'd be a good idea. Like. You know, find some dude on Instagram that's really good and <laughs> hired that guy. It's ridiculous. But, but I like this promo, though. I, I like Sammy, you know, kind of coming up to him and trying to act cool and then calling him out and saying that, you know, he he knows how to dance. Uh, <laughs> and then being that white dude who fucking comes out and thinks way too highly of himself, makes an ass out of himself, and then obviously... All, all of them uh, weren't having it and almost tried to beat the living hell out of them. And then Sammy got the hell out of there. That, that was that was it. This is Sammy's it was, it life was fine. now. This is Sammy's life now until he gets released. <laughs> Pretty God. much. Hey, I was hoping that Sammy was going to hit his spinneroonie, like do his little like, ooh, like, what do you call that? Street punk or skank punk? What's that dance called? You know what I'm talking about. Two-stepping in the pit. Thought he was gonna do that and then just hit a spin a Rooney and I was gonna lose my mind if he did it. Jesus. That would have been actually interesting. I don't know what the fuck he did. He looked like a flopping whale or some shit. Like look ridiculous. <laughs> that mullet was over nine thousand though. Sammy, keep the mullet, even if you go back to the mask. What also was over nine thousand was fucking we had King Woods, Jimmy Uso. That was what this is all accumulating to. The fucking leg drop that Xavier did was awesome. And you could tell he put all the weight on his ass basically when he did it, but he got so much airtime off the top ropes. Just comes off, crashes on Jimmy. This is a great match. These guys have a, 
a lot of chemistry together. And then, uh, you know, Woods did the most dangerous move in all of sports entertainment, the roll-up to Jimmy. He got the win. Jimmy Uso was going to bend the knee for McXavier, and Roman came out of nowhere and just beat the living shit out of him and also um, the hand, Kofi Kingston. And we went off with basically a pissed-off Roman, mostly at Jimmy Uso, who once again in the group is fucking up. <laughs> yes, this just goes to my theory of like <laughs> Roman just being like, no, I picked the new day, not you guys. Uh, I thought this match was a lot of fun. And you're right, dude. <laughs> Xavier Woods is now that he's he's the king. He's just sending it. <laughs> he was like 100,000 feet in the air. It's like a, that was like a Montez Ford level of getting off those ropes. And uh, I kind of want King Mach. King Black Machismo watch to show up and go against Xavier Woods, but I don't think that I don't think that's oh, going to happen. Oh but, man, that will be awesome. <laughs> fantasy booking, but um, I like this. I uh, there's a lot of places we're going to go, and I mean, worst case scenario, we get another Usos and uh, New Day match, which will be pretty good because they have good matches. Yep, I agree. All right, we got a couple more things to go over. Uh, Rampage last night was fucking awesome, man. I definitely had a lot of fun with at least the first half. It kind of died down a little bit by the end of it, but first starts off. Brian Danielson comes out, Flight of the Valkyrie, you know, and comes to the ring. And then we have the story is Max Caster and Anthony Bowens pissed off Tony Khan, apparently talking shit to him and uh, about him. Assuming kayfabe wise, if it even happened in an interview saying that he was the worst boss and he's this and that and shit like that. So basically he wanted uh, Max, which is very heelish of Tony, Chris, wants Max to watch his uh, tag partner get his ass kicked by Brian Danielson. But um, what was <laughs> Jesus Christ, Max Caster, apparently all this goes through Tony. That, that That's what we've heard, right? Right, Chris? That is what we have heard because he let one line slip and the entire world shit their pants. And Tony is, I guess, reviewing anything that <laughs> Caster has to say going forward. They could have been selling it just really well, both Brian's expression and their expression. But I'm, I really wondered if Daniel Bryan knew about this. All right, so we go. <laughs> God damn it. The acclaim. <laughs> we only do numbers, but this guy's too busy growing cucumbers. Don't be mad at me, bro. Because you only know for your wife, or you're only known for your wife's reality show, and you should eat some eggs. Look at Bowen's arms; they're bigger than your legs. Best one. I'ma put you in poverty, dog, because I end careers quicker than your father-in-law. <laughs> uh, whoa. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, he did go after Daniel pretty hard, but I'm sure Daniel Bryan's a good sport on that. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like they all were like, that's funny. You should do that. <laughs> Just don't make any more uh, Saturday Night Live jokes because that hurts everyone's feelings. Yeah, good stuff, Max Caster. No offense to Bowen. I always say this and I always feel bad because he's got good intensity. He's good in the ring. But Max Caster has next level shit, man, I think. 
the tag team reminds me a little bit of like Otis and Tucker, where like Tucker is great in the ring, and you're like, he's really good, but it was all Otis. This is a very yep. similar situation. Yeah, I think this guy's going to be a top star eventually when he goes by himself. It just, especially if you can come up with clever shit like that, it just, it's always going to make me pop. But, you know, I'm going to put you into poverty, dog, because I end quick or I end careers quicker than your father in law. And this is the <laughs> day of, no, the day after all the releases. So, oh, man. It was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Actually, so, you know, shout out to John Laurinaitis. I feel bad for you having to call 18 people and fire them all at the same time. That's just a shitty day, you know? Hey, man. <laughs> you know, Johnny Ace woke up that day. He had some he had some cereal and shit, and he's just sitting there. And then Vince called him. Like, hey, <laughs> Here's 18 names you have to call and fire today, bud. What? <laughs> well, they just had an executive uh, CEO. Or COE, I don't remember exactly, but she uh, quit. She started before the pandemic, and uh, she helped them out through that whole entire thing. And she was basically in charge of HR, or uh, not HR, but like she uh, apparently one of the rumors is she left because of all these firings and having to do it. <laughs> so it was just all Johnny Ace then, right? <laughs> Does Johnny yeah. Ace just wear a Grim Reaper coat? Is he just he just dressed like the Undertaker hey, backstage? <laughs> uh, uh, well, weird. Even though they had a pretty good match, and uh, Max Caster is definitely the more of the bigger powerhouse out of that. The Labella lock was applied, and Brian Danielson got the win. Um, but good stuff. If we can get Mac Max Caster against Brian Danielson next, that'd be fun. Um, but yeah. The acclaim. Uh, I really like that rap, man. That was fun. It was fun, and I like that tag team. And I, I, I feel like I'm a bad person for not watching these YouTube shows because I know they have more tag matches, but there's so many good tag teams in AEW. Can we get some more tag team wrestling on the show? I feel like yeah, they're shying true. away. They're shying away from it a little bit for doing three man tag matches and shit, as opposed to like I don't know. Pride and Powerful versus the Acclaimed, which I'd I'd be down with. Like, hey, Pride and Powerful. What the fuck happened to um, Mark Quinn and um, fucking? I think and I can't remember the other guy's name, but they're Matt Hardy's group. But they were like the premier tag team when we first fucking started AEW. Mark Quinn and uh, oh man, doesn't matter. Oh. God, bootleg street profits, and I can't think of their tag name right now. Yeah, they did. They did drink their drink to the uh, the ring, but I don't know. There's a lot of tag teams, and there's a lot of good ones, and I agree with you, especially with. I just the one thing that 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 kills me about um, LAX being prime and powerful being a part of their group is that they're usually involved with group stuff and they're one of the best, if not the best tag team in AEW. Yeah. They're in a weird situation now where they're still in that group, but also like the two feuds that are happening are also tag teams like Jurassic express and the young bucks. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they need to do another tag tournament soon. All right. So we had a, we basically had a promo off. 
<laughs> CM Punk comes out, doing his normal thing, hugging people and shit, called personality playing, gets in the ring, and basically says, you know, hi to everyone, and address the room about that he's here because he wants specifically to talk to Eddie Kingston. So um, I'm, I have written down just some highlights from it, so I'll try to remember a good majority because I couldn't find the transcripts exactly, but just bear with me. So, you know, Eddie's music plays, no one comes out, uh, and, and he's like, oh, great, Eddie isn't here again. That's awesome. And then he goes, he's so good at interrupting, he's probably going to wait for his music to cut out, and then he'll start walking down while I'm talking. And exactly while he's saying that, here comes Eddie Kingston. He looks pissed. Uh, gets in the ring. They're both at, at corners, just staring at each other. And then Eddie says, you want an apology? Uh, answer me when I'm talking to you. And he goes, he goes, you want an apology? Sorry that I interrupted the great CM Punk. And then he has this weird ramble about COVID and how he thought that he had it. So he got tested so he wouldn't get anyone sick out there, uh, especially his buddy Monkey and his kid. I don't know what the fuck. That, you know, that's Eddie Kingston just throwing some stuff in there. But then he goes, he goes, oh, I pissed you off. I pissed you off beforehand for interrupting you. I pissed you off, uh, you know, for um, not showing up on Wednesday. Here's the world's small, smallest violin, does that whole thing. And then says, who the fuck are you? Who are you? Well, he didn't say fuck, but you know what I'm saying. And CM Punk cuts him off and says, you damn well know who I am. And then Eddie stops him from proceeding and says, yeah, you used to be one of my heroes. You know, guys like you, guys like Samoa Joe, guys like Homicide, guys like Amazing Red. You guys influenced me. You guys, you know, uh, really, really made me want to become a wrestler. And then... Basically, you judged me. Uh, what? Was it because I'm a big dude? Because I like to eat? And goes back to CM Punk, and CM Punk says you're lumping a lot uh, into one package, you know, and you're, you're positioning it on me. I'm not the reason why you lost to Brian Danielson. You know, I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't talking about you. I was doing an interview when you interrupted it. And he says, uh, and I'm sorry if that's how you felt back in the day, but we actually held you to a certain standard and you kept on screwing up and not being able to land on the mark. And he goes, that's because I realized after a while you're a bum. And then Eddie says, I'm a bum. I, I main evented full gear last year. Uh, I sold my house and came to AEW and actually became a top superstar after busting my ass. And then he says, quit smirking at me or I'll slap you. He says, fight me at full gear. And then CM Punk goes, oh, I'm surprised that you're saying full gear. I, I would assume that you'd want to do this on elevation or dark. So then the crowd kind of starts going more on Eddie's side because it was definitely kind of down the middle. And then Eddie says, you're a coward. And about three times he says, fight me, and is right in his face screaming it. Punk kind of backs him off and accepts the, uh, the fight. And he goes, all right, well, I guess we're, we're going to full gear. Goes to get out. Eddie goes, Hey, one more thing. One more thing I wanted to tell you. He says, do me a favor. After I beat the shit out of you, you know, quit for another seven years, or why don't you don't come back in, and before he could finish it, uh, Punk headbutts him, and then they start brawling everywhere. And they did the brawl right. AEW for past stuff and also WWE. Everyone should know this. If you want to make the brawl look really fucking good, 
you first have the rest come out. Then you have, you know, staff, security, whoever, medical staff come out to try to break it up. And then the last people you release are wrestlers to break them up. And that really, you know, when you're cornering them and you have CM Punk and he's saying, I'm going to fucking kill you. And you can see him visually say that. It makes it that much more intense. Uh, they, 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 they got me throughout this. I was like, I was starting to think like, oh shit, is this getting real? But I think that both men, they were like, we're going to say whatever, you know, we're going to, we're going to take some shots and we're just going to like really amplify this whole entire feud. And they fucking did. That was awesome. Both guys were great. I love that CM Punk didn't back down and that Eddie was just ferocious just so aggressive. And I love that Taz, because you know that Taz likes Eddie, because he talks a lot about him. But he was, while comment, or commentating, him and Ricky really had Eddie's back, uh, going back and forth with Excalibur about it. But uh, I thought this was great, man. I really did. Yeah, I have to agree with you, man. This is a great setup for that match. And uh, not Eddie's best promo, especially the beginning part. He kind of just. He was sloppy sloppy but he got there and it was a good back and forth between him and cm punk and it just makes you want punk versus mjf that much more yes really. uh but it kingston's great the only thing here is like eddie kingston needs to win some matches at some point <laughs> yeah all these he's high- probably gonna lose at punk with punk yeah, I mean he's in all these high profile matches. Like he's had a he's had a title match against Moxley, lost. He's had, you know, he had a title match against Miro and lost. We thought he might win it in New York. They didn't do that. Uh it seems like he's just always losing. <laughs> Which kind of sucks, man. <laughs> like it would be a great surprise if Eddie Kingston somehow won this match. I don't think it's gonna happen, but it would be a good surprise. This is, I love this. I think it's great. And, uh, CM Punk just living his best life, I guess, out here. The seven year comment, like, <laughs> send you back another seven years was, was pretty good. Uh, and the intensity that Punk's, obviously, they probably talked about this beforehand, but the intensity that Punk and both, both Punk and Eddie had towards one another felt real. And it kind of it gives you that uh, suspension to disbelief, and we need more of that in wrestling. God damn it! Oh yeah, I do. Like I said, I, I really started to believe them. I'm like, is Eddie going like off script a little bit? But they were so detailed about everything. Do we know, or do you know specifically, Chris? Was this filmed right after Dynamite, or was this a live one? Because I can't remember them saying. I do not know for sure. I would assume that this was live just because CM Punk was on both shows. Yeah, that's a good point. That would be my guess because they, it, otherwise they would have saved him because they've done that in the past when they record a show, they either put him on one or the other. Same thing with Daniel Bryan. Hmm. Well, what it, I don't know. I don't know why Eddie was out the whole COVID thing. He kind of went off on a trail a little bit, but, um, just just good stuff, man. I really liked it. I mean, Eddie and Mox are really good friends, so like if he wasn't a hundred percent, maybe it has some you know something to do with that too, as far as this promo goes. So just I think people should keep that in mind. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
All right. Um, so basically Jurassic Express. I don't remember this happening, but this is telling me it. So Jurassic, Jurassic Express and uh, Christian Cage, they challenged the Super Click uh, to a Falls Count Anywhere match at Full Gear. So, yeah, they're going to have three on three. Going to have a bunch of mayhem. Sure, there's going to be involvement with other people. Uh, maybe Brian Danielson makes an appearance or, or Kenny before both of their matches or something. But I feel like this is going to be not cinematic because I definitely think they're doing that with Jericho. Uh, but this is going to be just the three of them going around the arena, beating the crap out of each other. And hopefully not, uh, you know, uh, dropping anyone on their head on concrete from a lot far distance up or some shit or breaking their ribs from going through tables or, you know, I don't want them to hurt each other. Christian's involved in this. Do not drop him. <laughs> is Christian the hardest working man in wrestling right now outside of Kenny Jesus. Omega? <laughs> you know he's going to go through some dumb shit. <laughs> he's going to channel his inner Kevin Owens and fall off like a 20-foot ladder for no reason. God, we almost uh, that hard to die. <laughs> that was, that's still baffling on how that happened. Like, <laughs> oh, man. And the fact they well, didn't stop that When match. Sammy was spearing him off the top of it, he overshot Matt. It wasn't, I mean, it was just the table's positioning and they fucking, when they went through the table, Matt was a little bit over it and smacked his head on the concrete while going yeah. through a fucking table. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was just a, it's just two bad circumstances. The, my bigger problem with that is like, they shouldn't have let Matt keep wrestling. Yeah. After that, like, there's no way you don't have a concussion when the back of your head is bleeding. Like, <laughs> like Ugh. a stuck pig, you know, like, Go back and listen to that show, guys out there, listeners. <laughs> we talked about this. I yelled at AEW very heavily. All right, so we had a match with the TBS Women's Championship Tournament, Red Velvet uh, versus the Bunny. Um, decent match. Uh, there was that cool spot where basically uh, Bunny took Red Velvet and kind of face smashed her on the uh, stairs to the outside. Well, the Red Velvet won, and what was already kind of established is that uh, Jake Cargill and her manager, I forgot what his name is right now off the top of my head, but they were at ringside, and afterwards, Jade, who's someone in the, basically has to beat someone to get to Red Velvet in this tournament, uh, basically told told Red that, you know, to watch out, that the rivalry is coming back. So, uh, that you know, it was fine. It was fine, and Red Velvet is a damn good wrestler. Yeah, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, with everything else happening on this show, this was a good, for me, like a good spot for what this was. And I thought it was good. I, I mean, I don't have anything negative to say about it. I'm not a huge Red Velvet fan, but this was fine for what it was. Yep. All right, so the the uh, the ending, we had Mark Henry first talk to um, John Silver, who uh, I don't know anything about this nudge thing. I have no clue why the hell that's a nickname for Cole, but he was going on and on about it. Adam Cole kind of snapped at him, um, you know, and kind of walked off. So right at the beginning, John Silver's funny, but I feel like Adam Cole, it's just kind of showing who's going to win. But um, good match. Uh, Silver's really fucking strong. He can do some uh, pretty cool shit. And we definitely had the Young Bucks getting involved too much, so the rest of the Dark Order came out to uh, take on them. But still, Adam Cole ended up winning. Uh, first giving the last shot, uh, you know, uh, neckbreaker. 
cross his knee and then doing the boom shortly after that. But uh, that was it. Adam Cole won. And a uh, good way to go off with, after a pretty fun match. You know, Mr. Adam Cole, baby, the winner going off the air. So weird that that's going on now, man. Think about that. We had a fucking war not too long ago. And now the biggest star from that war is closing their other show. The biggest star from that war and also Shawn Michaels and Triple H's boy. Yeah. Golden child. 422 days or something as NXT champion. How? It's baffling. Still, this still baffles me. Well, um, actually, that was something I forgot. So John Silver brought that up. Like Mark Henry's like, so wait a minute. The things that you said that you want Adam Cole to do if he loses that he didn't agree to. You said that you wanted to shave his head and have him be your manager. That's that's what fucking uh, Bruce Pritchard wanted. So that's a funny little call out to that shit. The fuck is wrong with people also, over there? Also, shout out to Mark Henry for just being my favorite part of the show <laughs> during the main events. Most times. I love these little like split camera interviews they're doing. It just feels old school. I like it. And Mark Henry just says the funniest shit. Um, yeah, I don't know this budge, nudge, bullshit. I don't watch Being in the Elite. I don't care. If you're not going to show it on TV, I don't care. Yep. Match was good, though. Silver could be a star. That group's got to kind of end, though, or he has to at least leave it for him to kind of do that, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, what are you going to do with Adam Cole? If, if Kenny drops a title, is there dissension between this group? Because that would be, I would think, I mean, Adam Cole being the last man in, that would be the guy that kind of is the thorn in the side of the elite. Hmm. Especially you now think, that you would uh, think? now that there's no good brothers because they've closed that door. We talked, didn't we talk about that last week? Yeah, no more impact crossover at least for now. What I'm thinking, man, and this could totally not happen, but my guess, given the fact that Kyle O'Reilly's up at the end of this year, and also Gargano, maybe. What if you have a situation, Roderick Strong? You know, until if unless he were to get released, he signed another contract for like two more years a year ago. So he's not out anytime soon. So if you have Brian Danielson not going against Kenny immediately, he wins that tournament. He goes against Adam Page, who beats Kenny for the belt. Then there's a lot of like chaos and commotion. And then Adam Cole finally acts on what he's there to do. And that is to take those motherfuckers out for taking him out beforehand. And then, you know, you have O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, so Redragon's back together, and maybe a Johnny Gargano to take that other place. But the ex-NXT guys, not the Undisputed Era, but ex-NXT guys wipe out and beat the shit out of the Elite, and then you have the four-on-four four type of concept going forward. Um, that would be fun. That would you're be kind of having like You're kind of having <laughs> NXT invade, if you will, in a way. Does that just build up to Kevin Steen coming back and just... And Kevin Steen joins... <laughs> fucks, maybe fucks over, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Adam Cole and joins, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Kenny and the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, I never see that happening. Maybe he just fucks over both of them. I'm assuming if he comes in, he's going to be like Kill Steen Kill. But we'll see. 
This is exciting. This is all exciting to think about. Man, Adam Cole has brought a lot of great things to this roster that they can do going forward. And uh, it all pivots. Man, Kenny Omega might be my number one wrestler this year. And and when we get to our year end here, coming soon in December, listeners. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, looking forward to wrestling, looking forward to our year end, but looking forward to another show for you guys to listen to out there. I hope you guys enjoyed this, and uh, we'll be back to you next week. We usually record on Saturdays. Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people and give any plugs or whatnot that you'd like to. No plugs this week. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, I'm at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. And, uh, yo, chop on. Let's go Braves. World Series champions. Oh... Uh, and yeah, and I'm Dane Alves, uh, and Facebook and Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. Hit me up. Let's talk. Go tell a friend about the show. If you guys like us, let's build the community and we're going to be doing some cool new stuff in the future. Hope you guys have a great day and as always let the wrestling geek vibes be with you. Peace out.